Yes! Okay, so like what? Uh, um, that's, that's, like, what? Yes! So that's actually for my mate. That's for my, my boy Owen, a boy that I work for, uh, Owen Hunter. He, I was saying to him, I'm going to do yes. And he was like to me today, yes! I was like, do you know what? I'm going to add that to the podcast. So he'll, buy it. he'll love that. Absolutely love that. Uh, I'm with today. I'm with, I'm with today uh, a good, good personal friend of mine. Great, great personal friend of mine. Uh, a guy that was a, a manager for me. But became, we became pals because... I never done what I was told, kind of thing. And but I was, I, beca- a, I was a rubbish manager. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to work. We used to work for this leaflet company, right? Alien, alien, <laughs> alien delivery company. Delivery business. Uh, but we, I've been pals with Brian. So it's Brian Mitchell. Welcome to Green Sunrise. Thank mate. you very much. Uh, I've been de- down to get you on phrases. I've been begging to go on. You've been begging to come on phrases. <laughs> a guy, yes. who was, a guy who was neighbour, a neighbour to me years ago when I stayed in Springburn. <laughs> Uh, when I stayed in Springburn with my boy Aiden uh, and his mum Sarah, we stayed there. This guy across the road face kept buying and going, Look, I've got something to tell you. We'll talk about this uh, during the podcast. Brother Joseph, <laughs> please uh, Brother Joseph, music em- impresario. We're talking about that today. Music impresario. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, one. Yes. Uh, and finally, uh, a multi award winning Scottish author, David Keenan. Welcome to Green Sunrise, mate. So psyched to be here. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you for and musicians. Well. And musicians. Ex musician. Ex musician. No, ex musician. But Scottish offer, uh, David Keenan. Thank you so much. And thank you to Joe again no for, for uh, organising this. No problem. Uh, and again, look, thank you for Brian for being here, mate. I'm only here because of the two legends sat in front of me. I can't get all that. So, Brian, you're back. Who's on this week? Well, it's me, you, and he's like, nah. <laughs> and then Joe, Joe was coming on it, well, it was, and obviously David Keenan came on. It was a that. good conversation we had in the, the local, uh, the lo- aye, 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 in the, the local, local, <laughs> the local pub, public area. Aye, aye, uh, yeah, so it was good. A part two of it, you know what I mean? So this is that's a massive part two. Mm-hmm. But today, do you know what? Let's let's get down. Let's get down. Let's get down to business, right? Yeah. Uh, Brian, let's kick off you and me. How are you doing? I am doing absolutely tremendous. Uh, psyched to be here. That's a great word, as you would imagine, for an offer. Yes. Um, you know, I've got uh, lots of things to obviously ask both gentlemen, especially um, David, because I'm a big fan of his books, especially For the Good Times, which I just, I've described it as train spotting meets the troubles. <laughs> I would love somebody just to create that book into a film. I don't know. It's just got all the material, all the makings for it. Yep. Um, and Joseph, what can I say? Uh, I know you deal with mental health, Paul. Aye. And, you know, anybody that wants to have a conversation with Joe and a, a local pub, <laughs> their mental health is just fun. After yep. it's so restored, it's wonderful. Yeah, thanks. And a local celebrity where I come from Aye. as well, uh-huh. in the north of Glasgow. Thank and you. your music is really interesting. Um, I was actually listening to it today, you know, um, and it's you really need to promote that this evening because it's certainly well worth a listen to. Yeah, thank you for that. I think that's, aye, thanks for that. It's, it's nice, first of all, it's nice to meet uh, and talk and be social in pubs. I guess we are all kind of social nah. anyway. We're socialites, aren't we, you know? But uh, 
Aye, sometimes you just go up the road and, you know, you kind of go, right, aye, but it's nice to hear that, you know, if your words can actually get through and work into people as well, you know what I mean, is, you know, mm. and sharing just, you know, sharing, sharing aye. stories, isn't aye. it, you know what mm. I mean, sharing stories of good chat and like music, football, anything like that, you know what I mean, that kind of, aye, and getting things off your chest. Aye, yep. You know? Aye, the, the reason I started Green Sunrise Podcast was about connecting people right mm -hmm. through any circumstance but it kicked off with well obviously i was not obviously but i was doing suicide prevention uh, for a charity in glasgow and i was talking to guys constantly but i was realizing that it wasn't just guys there was females as well who, because everybody's at attached and everybody's connected and i thought you know what let's do this podcast and let's start with people that i know let's get people in that mm -hmm. i know let's talk to them let's have conversations about golden gems that we all have and uh, healthy mental health, if you like. And when I've met, obviously I met you and Brian and now David, David's books, I've just started, I just bought the same book as yourself. Uh, and I was halfway through it and I'm like, this? man, this is a brilliant book. I'm just getting involved in this story, this world, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I realized, well, I, I was doing some podcast stuff, looking at all the podcasts that you've done. And it's actually a book based on uh, your family, you've based it on family members, like yeah. your dad and your uncles. Yeah, yeah. I so, mean, my, 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 so my dad grew up in the Ardoin along with his brothers mm -hmm. um, during the Troubles, but my dad left, so he moved to Airdrie, but the rest of the family stayed. So the Troubles was the entire backdrop to my childhood in so many ways. We had so many family that were involved in it. We'd have phone calls or reports, or often people would want to escape from Belfast for a little bit, would come over and stay in the family house and stuff like that. And my dad was illiterate. My dad couldn't read or write, and neither could any of his brothers. Mm. But they had the most amazing commander language. The way these guys told a story was mm. unbelievable. And even though they were illiterate, they had a deep faith in language. They had a faith that language could somehow, that language was redemptive that telling a story could redeem even suffering, even difficult things. So they would tell you some horrific, mad thing that had happened to one of the family in Belfast, and they would be pissing themselves laughing <laughs> when they were describing <laughs> it. You know, and it was almost a competition for who could tell the story in the best way, the funniest way. And if he could only just do that, he'd somehow redeem the entire yep. situation. And so I would walk, listen with these guys. I'd sometimes get locked in with them in the loft. And they all looked amazing. They all had suits on and big rings. And I'd look up to all these guys, you know what I mean? And I said to myself, you know what? One day I'm going to write a book that captures the incredible mm -hmm. language and, and the resilience and actual bravery of these young men, you know? Mm -hmm. So I took a vow then that I would do that. And eventually it became my second novel for Aye. the good times. Yep. Sorry to interrupt. That reminds, that reminds me of your talking about, you know, how that dark humour. And there's a lot of dark humour on your stuff, which oh, yeah. I love. Mm. But I think I got that in an early age because I remember only being, you know, so little. That I, I, I can't even remember whose funeral it was, but I just remember everybody was just getting absolutely steaming, having a great time, right? And my granny saying, my granny Mullen, God rest her, saying it to him, oh, I've been to some brilliant feelings, but this aye, is a cracker. Aye, 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 aye. <laughs> That's brilliant. Aye, that was very like when my dad died. My dad died in 2013 and uh, all the all the family, my mum was, was a Protestant, my father was a Catholic and uh, so all the, all the family from, from Ireland came over and it was, it was, it was wild. It was, it was like that, um, 
song body of an, an American by the Pogues oh, it describes it it's exactly 100% accurate to that was like and you could see it was getting to my mum a wee bit and at one point she just walked in the room and she said I think you are all having just a little bit too much fun for a few <laughs> 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 I, I was, we, were at, we were at my sorry we were at my uncle Joe's funeral Joe Auckland's and uh it was held in the winter gels, you know, the winter gels. Aye, aye, aye. So we all went down there and we were at the crematorium uh, up Lamb Hill first. And every, is, is that as well? I don't know if we used, but aunties and uncles said the old parties we used to go to, we spoke about this. We all used to have a song, you know, and you'd done a turn at a party, you know. Aye, aye, the big Joe, he was, uh, he was Blueberry Hill, Fats Domino. Aye. That was his <laughs> song. So we went into the, we went into the crematorium and in the background is like, dun, 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 and then and it sort of kind of went, Right, and it just went. Everybody went. Oh, found my thrill. Everybody all starts singing us in the crematorium, right? But see, they'll get to that point. You're saying there, we did the winter jills after it, and Yvonne, his daughter, had kept. She'd worked through winter jills and shavings and that as well. So she kept the sort. I don't know if it seemed as though it was like a back room at the time, right? And uh, so we're in there, my wee uncle Danny, his party piece was uh, the kid's last fight. Okay, come on, kid, let's head him with the left. So he would go up and he would have command the whole floor, right? And I remember I went through at the bar and I was standing at the bar and I went like that. And somebody went, some party in there, is it somebody's leaving do or is it like that? <laughs> no, it's my uncle Joe's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> it was a leaving do. So I uh, put, a, put a smile on it, you know what I mean? I suppose, uh, you know. Uh, you know. But the thing about, you know, the mental health and yeah. what, you know, this is great for me, me uh, to, you know, guys like yourself is the great thing for me about mental health and I th why I like, you know, we became so close, Paul, is, you know, work can, can be very difficult, whatever yeah. job you're in, the mundane and everything else. But you were a great character and a great worker. But I could see very early on that you took time. You were always interested in how people were doing, how people were feeling, you know. You were, you know, really personable, but you, you, you also took an interest in people's lives. Oh. Um and if there was somebody sat in a corner and they were having a, you know, a bad day or whatever, and you've just progressed that and you've just grown that. Now, for, for me, you know, reading your books, listening to, you know, your music, that's where I get my escapism, you know, for yep. me, when I, you know, having that time in a pub. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I love reading and especially at music because it's all about imagination. There's a song there, isn't there? But, um... And I think that's that's where Aye. the three years, you know, the, should win awards for because from that mental health perspective, you know, we're sitting talking massive, about we're talking about funerals. I mean, my mother passed away three years ago, you know, sad event, but it's about, you know, whenever we sit down and talk, we don't mm -hmm. talk about how sad we were. We talk Aye. about our party piece was, oh, you still love me tomorrow. Mm, right? right, yeah, yeah. And she oh. loved our Motown and she loved, mm -hmm. you know, Everything. Yeah, it makes and me it, think of it. There's a great quote. In fact, it's quite poignant today because it's three years to the day since Andrew Weatherall died. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I, I gave one of the speeches at his funeral. And one of the things I said was I remembered when um, when Jack Kerouac, the writer, died. Right. Alan Ginsberg gave a speech at his grave. And one of the things he said, he looks around all the mourners and, and, and everyone's crying. And he says, he makes a beautiful point. He says, we're not crying. We're not crying for the triumph of death. We're crying for the triumph of life. We're crying because life is so absolutely beautiful and incredible. 
it's, this is not the triumph of death, it's a triumph of life when we cry these funerals. I thought that was really profound. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting, Andrew was an incredible person. I mean, the reason me and Joe know each other is through Andrew, which is weird <laughs> that we're here today on the anniversary. We met on a plane uh -huh. on the way to Carcassonne in the south of France for Andrew's Convenanza <laughs> Festival. And right. I, I believe that Joseph's opening gambit with me was I was sitting right next to him and I had my rings and he turns around to me and he says, are those weather all rings? <laughs> I was like, so, you're going to weather all that, festival, well, yeah, I was like, you know weather all. He was like, yeah, that, that was that. And then from that day, we kind of never really spoke about it, but we, we ended up DJing at the next Convenanza together, just a complete three fluke almost. Later, three, three years, years later, later, when we came back, we DJed together, and that's how we naturally just felt together. Now we're with wow. a, a right. double DJ thing, and we, we, have, we have the radio show yep. and stuff like that. It all came through... Uh, Andrew Weatherall. Uh, Recently, I think, was Jeez, oh, If it wasn't that, we would have blown that flight going there. No, we wouldn't have, and this is the anniversary today. I mean, it's absolutely exactly. uncanny. The big question's got to be then is, why are we not sitting in the south of France? We'll make that for a thing of beauty. It was stunning. And the thing is, as well, it's the first time I'd been because uh, Andrew was always harping on it, his phone is up with the blue, and, like, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm a plumber, you know, so I'd be I'm plumbing and uh, the phone would go and I'd be like, oh, it's Andrew, right? He's like, uh, uh, brother Joseph, what are you up to, you know, like trying to go over, you know, but like, can't you just some in the middle of a heating job, you know, mm -hmm. can't you just drop everything and go? Because I'd either, actually, I'd have Joe with me, but uh, you know, it'd still be in the middle of things, can't you just go? No, and uh, but I planned that one to go, uh -huh. and that was like, I'm definitely going, you know. And uh, I mean, Claire sat down on the on the flight, and uh, I'm in the middle. He's in the windy. Claire's there, and I'm like, ah, I'm just kind of looking. I went, oh, well, this geezer here. You know what I mean? He likes something else. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm looking, checking the fingers, checking the rings, and I'm like, ah, right, okay, right, right. So like, that, this is this is going. So to be. that's how he's met. I think everybody else in the plane was all like that, looking there, going, you know. And I was like, all right, mate. Was all right. How you doing? I'm Joe. How are you? He's like, what's your name? He's like, I'm David. Hey, right, how you doing? How you doing? And we go chatting. And just talking that that yeah. flight, wasn't it? Brilliant. It was just like a yeah. good laugh. Yeah. Like, the whole the whole trip was magical. And I think I always remember about Andrew, which is really really special. Is so we're sitting, we were staying at a hotel de la city. It's maybe one of the most beautiful hotels I've ever stayed in in my life. Right. You know, it's on a cliff. It's overlooking the whole the, the, the city. It's in the walled part of it. And me and Andrew and my editor Lee Braxton were sitting in the garden, like drinking. We were drinking a, a, a glass of wine or something. And Andrew's always got these weird, interesting pop cultural facts, and he says to me. Do you know the guy, your man Dave Stewart for the Eurythmics? He was like, he suffered from a thing called Paradise Syndrome. Mm. That he, he could never get to the point where his life was perfect. He always thought, it's not for me, or I can't see it. There was always a problem with it. He this Paradise, I'd never heard right. this Paradise Syndrome. Did that myself, so yeah. Andrew looks around this beautiful, beautiful location, and he says to me, I'll tell you one thing, I've never suffered from that for a second in my life. And right. it occurred to me that Andrew saw Paradise right at that minute. He knew how beautiful... The moment was as it was passing. A lot of people can't see that, but I get yeah. a shiver up my spine that moment. Uh, Andrew knew mm -hmm. how significant and beautiful that moment is. And of course, that was the last time I was ever together with Andrew. Uh -huh. But he saw the significance of it in the moment. What a skill. That what a thing to be able to say. You know? That is incredible. One of his last few texts that he'd sent me, and uh, I'd, I'd, I think I'd messaged him, it was like I was driving back for Dundee, and we were heading, obviously, we we're heading west, and the sun was kind of going down. Maybe September or something like uh -huh. you know, and it was this fiery sky, and I just like, must have been listening to some beautiful tune or whatever it was, and I'd said to him, but that's so us heading heading west homewards, you know what I mean, right? You know, away from the east, heading west homewards, and uh, and he was, I remember him saying, he said like, hey, thanks for sharing that beautiful moment, whatever it was, uh, 
and, he, and, and to quote James Luther Dick Dickinson, uh, take reassurance in the glory of the moment oh. and the forever promise of tomorrow. And that was the text he'd sent us, you know, and I was like, you know. Well, tell me that again. Take reassurance in the glory of the moment and the forever promise of tomorrow. Wow. That is, that's amazing. That's, that's beautiful. Have that serenity in your life as uh, well. Yeah. Just... But Andrew had this kind of, sh I mean, it's no exaggeration. He said that's a shamanistic kind of ability. And he saw himself as a DJ more as a sort of the, the, the leader of the ritual. Mm -hmm. In a way, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's funny, because I'm doing the DJing just now. Well, yeah. For a wedding, I'm doing a wedding, working for a wedding DJ guy. Uh -huh. uh, beyond entertainments. Uh, What's <laughs> that? Beyond <laughs> entertainments. That's <laughs> for you, Stevie. It's like, uh, Stevie, what? Big T-shirt. A good guy. Good guy. Good guy. Because Brian's got a plug as well for him and, oh, yeah. him and Stephen have just met. And it's funny. We're asking him, we'll talk about that soon. But uh, yeah, the DJing. So where did the DJing kick off? How did you just, how did you just walk? Where did you just meet? What, what, what happened? Well, we, we kind of, it was it was that carcass on again. We went back there in September because obviously after that one, it would, you know, we were at uh, David was doing like book readings with like, through White Rabbit Books yep. and like and stuff. It, obviously with, with COVID and stuff, everything was that was it. So it's, it, the first festival again was September there mm -hmm. uh, since two thousand nineteen. It'd have been so we were uh, we were there we we were there. <laughs> I mean, I'd seen you that time in the car, you know, no, I'll no repeat on it. Can we swear? No, I don't. Ah, just I just no, no. uh, just me and Claire have, have checked in. He says, I'll be there on the Thursday. And we're... Yeah. <laughs> Is it David? <laughs> anyway, we'll leave it. <laughs> I, I got any trouble for the rest I of the people in the car, actually. He said, you shouldn't be shouting when that and Carcass on. It's not, Bro, it's just not classy. Brother, motherfucker. Uh, I was like, it's not for sure, so but anyway, I was uh, Bernie who runs it had asked yeah. me once once I got over there, mm -hmm. I'd train some USB sticks if I would uh, play at Baravine, which is one of the bars in there with a lot of them all playing. So it was a Saturday afternoon to play like between three and five. And David was he put hooked David up, me and him were playing together. Right. So, and I didn't really know that. It wasn't even clear to me. Oh, I, I mean, I mean, Bernie said to me, can you do a DJ you set as part of the afternoon? Right. And he'd also said to Joseph, but that's all he'd said. So I turned up, Joseph is DJing. Well, immediately, like, we just got to do a B2B. We should just do it back to back. That's so right. he just immediately launched in it. And I'm not kidding you. About an hour and a half later, the entire bar was dancing. The entire bar <laughs> was just, <laughs> was, job the done, two, was kicking off. It was amazing. The two poor guys that were DJing behind us, they were just like, keep they going. They said, just going. keep it going. And the two DJs were like dancing behind us and you just keep going. It was, it was wild. So I think it was maybe three to five. It went to three to seven. Yeah. What do you saw uh, when, when he's doing a set? What do he actually do? We've really it? only kind of started like, playing. Really, that was the first one. First we really just throw ourselves in, don't we? Yep. To be honest, there's been no discussion about nothing it whatsoever. I was, I, was, I was saying this to Joseph the other day, it felt so natural and organic. We just sort of did it. We didn't say, should we DJ together? Should we do Aye. a show? What sort of music should we play? And in fact, when we DJ, we have no discussion about nothing. what we're going to play. We make no decisions beforehand. And the first record starts and the next person needs to respond to that in real time. And then we, we roll with that. There's no, that, that's amazing. It goes. It's really exciting. It's, it's really exciting yeah. because that, when Stevie goes that to me, Stevie got, lets me play, do the first hour, right? right? And I'm doing the first hour, but 
but it's all obviously stuff. There's a big list of stuff there that he's going to play that's on the list, stuff that you can't play as well. And then you're like, all right, so I, I play this list, I'm like, I'll just start playing that. And then Steve's like, no, you can't play that. And then I realize, well, it's actually a wedding because there's a different type ah, of music. Nah, exactly, course, exactly. Yeah, weddings, ah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, no, no, I've got to the next one. So it's good to get that direction. And that's it was never on my it was never on my list of things to do, become a, a wedding DJ. But now I'm doing it, I absolutely love it. I just I love watching him, how it all kicks off and just going from one to the Does other. Does he play a lot of modern stuff? Or he plays anything, stuff, he plays, plays everything. Anything? So he'll play the classic uh, wedding stuff, right, that we all pass for. He'll have a list of uh, must must plays from the actual couple. Right. And then aye, obviously aye, okay. a list of not do not plays. Mm, uh, usually football songs, never play football songs. Aye, especially <laughs> the rest of Scotland. Especially the rest of Scotland. Because <laughs> no uh, that yeah. can kick off, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's not that sometimes, unless a couple ask for it, I remember I was, uh, I was out in Paisley, I was running for it, it was, uh, it was, we used to always go, it was like the week before Christmas, my man and dad's anniversary, and it was this uh, couple that would play, and she was always, they'd always go down the Carpenters Road, right, but it was like, see, uh, who, who's the last that's on uh, Chewing the Fat, and Karen the Bar, Karen the Bar, right, she does a, she does a thing at the end of her shows, and it's like, it's her and her man, it's like, she's like cabaret singers, right, he's got the keyboard, right, right? it's a bit kind of like, Hey, say love you, say love us, say love you, say love and all things like that. But anyway, wow. they're, they're playing quite a, quite a thing, you know. And the next thing, simply the best, just gets played, and she's singing it. <laughs> so right away, that's, that's it. And it, the floor's divided. Yeah. You know Aye, what I mean? You're totally. in the of Scotland here, yep. totally divided, yep. right? So I went up and I went, yeah, any chance I did, you'll never walk alone. She went, oh, we don't do football songs. I was like, oh, right, and okay. Who's that? I know. I know. <laughs> but, and it's not that, it's a beautiful song. Yeah, it's it. Aye, but you could just tell right away. Like, how people just Aye. went, I'm not. Uh, you know Aye. what I mean? So mm. it's, you know, don't bring it into it. No, exactly. I've always been really envious of the, the DJ thing. I, I went to school where uh, you have bought my scheme. I uh, didn't go to school with him. He went to other school. Um, he was a fantastic DJ, became a fantastic DJ. Um, and I've always been so envious and I've had my wee go, but uh, you'll know better than me. But I remember who was it? Um, Calvin Harris, if he got his USB <laughs> stick or something. Right. That's that urban myth that he had to cancel his world tour because he lost his right? USB stick. I true? think it's an urban myth like, take the, uh, to sort of rip the piss out how easy it is for some DJ. Like, right. all, all you do is turn up with a USB but stick. All you can do in the shops, buy a new USB. This is the thing, it's and no get somebody's, uh, on scene, maybe. You would uh, need to transfer the salt, I know. I could go into, well, you could go into I'm pretty confident Calvin Harris could figure that out. Do you know what I mean? You know, you would have a backup, maybe. Just play Dua Lipa. <laughs> right, but see, see what I used to put on like uh, David Jude was on it selling it, but I used to put on like uh, garage punk bands and stuff yep. like that uh, in Woodlands Road, the, the, the Hulk Bar. Mm -hmm. And uh, I seen one night, I remember uh, coming out, sitting on my box of records, and like, I didn't even know why I filled box of records. I, even, I don't even know if I played or no, you know what I mean? Aye. I was too busy worrying about the bands, but sat on them, then jumped up to get a taxi and then gave him the taxi and went, Where's my records? Oh, <laughs> you know no, what I mean? Really? Luckily found them in that, but oh, aye, just things like that. Lucky aye, aye, aye. So, you know, but there's a lot of DJs and all. I think the, the, the USB thing, that must be, it's aye. great now. You could actually travel from here to there with a full collection inside your pocket. Yeah, I think I it's mean? cool. I mean, one of the things I hated about being in a band was like carrying equipment around. I hated doing sound checks. I hated amps. I hated all that crap. Mm -hmm. The great thing about being a DJ is you can turn up with just a hand luggage. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I mean, to be honest, I have I have no DJ skills whatsoever. I'm just, I mean, I'm starting for the very, very basics. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But, but I love it. I absolutely love Aye, it. I get a total good. thrill. Mm -hmm. I think it's really creative. And 
and I, I've been lucky to see really great DJs and yeah. the artistry of it is amazing yeah. I mean mm-hmm. I'm a huge oh, fan of David Holmes aye. and when you see David Holmes DJing it's mm-hmm. just like it is absolute artistry aye. Total yeah, artistry. Love it. They get right in amongst the it. And the way that Andrew yeah. could play a whole room, it was ma- it's magic. Aye. It's absolute oh, magic. Is, in a way. I must admit, my mate Stevie, Stevie Bennett, man, it, I just think he's amazing. I think he's brilliant at what he does. I love how he goes from one and up the next yeah. strike, but it's just the timing that they've got. And it's just, see when they hit it, they hit it on the bay. The well, when you drop that, it, it's just, there's, drop there's it, no better feeling, man. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to... Do you do a bit of the mic then, Paul, or what? Do you well, do? he does most of the mic. Yeah. He's, he did say to me, like, months ago, he said, I'll give you a mic. You're confident. Mic. Uh, I'm, I'm most uh, confident. Yeah, but yeah, now because yeah. I'll... See, because a different... See, a different... You kind of go in, like I'm talking about today's mental health. It's yeah, like, what you did for your mental uh-huh. Have you done your star jumps today? And I probably could use that, I wouldn't be fair. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you done your star jumps today? Uh-huh. That would probably Somebody be Somebody put the buffet on. <laughs> that used to annoy me so much about your mind. Uh-huh. I'd be like, uh-huh. right, Moon, you need to start. And I'd try to get up my work, uh-huh. and he'd be doing star <laughs> jumps, <laughs> no, and he'd be doing <laughs> then, all these squats and stuff. And I'm like, what are you uh-huh. doing? Is what have you done here, pal? No, you know? I was it was broke because we could didn't get done see be fair but I was like what are you doing I must you admit but see when, I, when I'm really see if I feel like a low ebb the last Aye. thing I really want is music Aye. it really is because I don't I don't want it to be tarnished by the way I'm feeling Ah, in, right. in a lot that's of ways interesting. that is I, interesting I, I remember years ago when I went into town I was feeling dead that way I, I really just needed to, to spew that was all <laughs> no, I was a wee guy I wasn't was through drinking or anything like that right? no, no. I was just like feeling pretty ill you know it was like a fever or something you sure you and I bought, I bought, an, I bought an album The Damned Live at Shepparton right yeah, yeah, 1980 yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I got up the road and as soon as I got in the house I just went oh, bleh, right spewed all over the place right in my bed Got the next day, felt like shit. And I was, every time I look at that record, it just reminds me of Really? That. It's just totally Even reminds me. So it reminds me of the record? carpet, it reminds me of the furniture in the oh living room, everything. That's rough. And it reminds me of the spew. And I was just no like, way. I can't do it. See, before I'm up with whiskey. <laughs> That's whiskey. I, I got drunk when I was 15, I bought a little bottle of Grants. Me and my pal John McLean, we decided, I think it was, I don't know Why where we go, I really don't. I was like, all right, we'll get that, we'll get that a bash and then. Uh, Mugs of tea, we were just putting in tea mugs and just rattling it straight. Oh, no. And, Did uh, it ruin you for life? I just smell whiskey now. Ah, I, 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 I see my vodka's like, I mean, we, we, get a, we get a bottle of vodka uh, in, 19, I'll tell you, it was 1987 or something like that, for, <laughs> for supporters bus the uh, in Melbourne. And yeah, I bought a whiskey or a bottle of vodka, I got a bottle of uh, vodka, and we were pouring it into cans of tenants going up to Students' Union at the time. And, uh, and I just remember my phone on the floor, my mates crowding all around me. And I walked at home in the snow that night, oh, uh, and man. vodka. That vodka is just a no, no. Usually, when I go for nights out in the West End, it's usually I walk up. I can all I can see is going up the road. Can I get a taxi? Walking up the road, and one time that happened to me, I was in the snow. And I was walking up the road for the West End because you can't get taxis now. Know. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you really can. You can't get you really taxis. Can. Brutal. It's Aye. just Aye. brutal. It's one of the worst places coming out of that. The Bentley rent like oh, as well. Aye, trying to get a taxi, even Aye. though you're right on Soggy Hall Street. Aye. Nightmare. But I suppose it depends on my time. So what you guys got planned next then? Aye, Especially yourself, any books in the pipeline? Yeah, I've got a new novel coming out. Um, this year's the first year in like six years, I think, I've not published a new novel. I've got a couple of paperbacks coming out. I've got uh, uh, the paperback Industry and Magic and Light, which was my last book, which is a sort of prequel to this is Memorial Device. Mm-hmm. It's set in Airdrie, but in the 1960s. And it's right. about a group of people that run a psychedelic light show. And somehow the psychedelic show mm-hmm. transforms energy into like a magic, a magical Good. town. So that was my most recent one. So that's out in paperback later. And then next year, April 24th, 
Um, I've got my new book coming out again, and it's kind of like it's my seventh novel, and I feel like it's kind of the, the final novel in, in a cycle that started with my memorial device. So I don't know mm -hmm. what I'm going to go after this. So maybe in non-fiction or something like that for a little bit and back right. to it. But it feels like the closing of a circle somehow. So that's yeah. really the next thing with me. Uh, I need to ask you, right? So we're, we're talking about the so the Gordon Burns Prize. Yep. 2019. Yep. That's Explain, right. how, how is that? Is that because you thought it was a... Do you get to stay over somewhere? Well, what, what, Gordon Byrne was an amazing, amazing uh, writer, mostly non-fiction. He did some fiction as well. My editor worked with him. Um, he did an am amazing book. I mean, it's really, it's hard going mm -hmm. about Fred and Rosemary West called ha Happy Like Murderers. It's really, it's really, it's an investigation of that whole situation. Did he do one about George Best and... Um, he did some football one. He did a famous snooker one called Pocket Money, where he right. accompanied Steve Davis and all the, uh, it's really right. brilliant. Accompanied right. Steve Davis and Higgins, all these people who are tour to Japan stuff. It's a brilliant documentary of the. So he's very interested. He was a guy who wrote about a lot of working class subcultures in a way. So right. when he died, they formed a prize called the Gordon Byrne Prize, mm -hmm. and it's really for sort of for, for sort of innovative fiction, non-fiction that might deal with things that mainstream fiction doesn't. Specifically, maybe a working class background, things like that. So. Um, uh, the first year, this is my motorist, was shortlisted for Gordon Byrne Prize and I didn't win it. But the next year, for the good times, get shortlisted mm -hmm. and it did so, win. Aye, so we say 2018 mm -hmm. when you first published it. Aye, that's right. Until 2019, you've actually won. That's, aye, that's right. Then I won it. Aye, oh, brilliant. Aye, which was City of the Red Lights. Yep. City, yeah. Explain this to me. City of the Red Knights. So it's a. Oh, sorry, City of the Red, Red Knights. Sorry. I just had a revelation about it. I was very, very. Very, very interested in William Burroughs, the writer. I've always been obsessed by him. Right. Particularly this book called Cities of the Red Knight. It's right, an amazing, that. amazing book. And when I was writing my first book, Memorial Device, I began to think, I began to feel like I was building up an actual physical body. You know, there's this idea of the golem in, mystic, in mystical Judaism where you build something out of clay, but then you use letters, language, to write it on the back. It said, and the language literally brings it alive. Mm -hmm. And I began to feel this book was coming alive. And then I had a total revelation because I always thought William Burroughs' books are kind of alive. They're like organisms, yeah. like entities almost, mm -hmm. rather than books. There's a, there's a life to them. And I realised, of course, the size of the Red Knight is talking about the internal organs. The oh, heart, really? the lungs, they're the cities of the red night. Then they're connected by these sort of like uh, these pathways and the veins and stuff right, like that. Right, and I began right. to think he's created an entity. This book <laughs> is alive. And I began to realize that's kind of what I was doing myself. I had a mad feeling when I had this revelation, you know. So that, that's what most people have. I'm reading reviews, right? Most people say that about your books. That is, if they're alive, they become yeah. this. They are talking about these characters, for especially. Yep. I mean, I remember uh, listening to you. You were in an interview with somebody. I don't know who it was, but you were talking about a character in Airdrie. This one, and guys or people actually were actually coming up to you in Airdrie and go, like, "Aye, I know who that is." By the way, oh, I big party for Memorial Device. This right. guy said to me, "Aye, aye, and you big party me in." And most of it, <laughs> you most most of what he said in the book, you got right. But he didn't live on a flat at the top of South Bridge Street. He was a wee cottage <laughs> your side. Seriously, hundred oh, percent. Wouldn't take no for an answer. Absolutely, oh, believe he knows Big Pie. That must make you feel brilliant. <laughs> but it is, yeah, it it is. see when Didn't someone I? steps off the page it and the thing becomes alive and the characters. My whole thing is memorial device. Everybody's got their memorial device. Everyone has a story about how music yeah. changed their life or when they were growing up and they met these people mm -hmm. that introduced them to a whole other world. Everybody's yeah. got that. Yeah. So I began to realise... It doesn't, it doesn't even belong to me anymore. There's a whole Memorial Device community yeah. now. Memorial Device will turn off national treasures. And yeah. that's not me and nothing to do with me, but I love letting go of that. And I love going out there and having its own life and changing people's lives the way the music Aye. did for me. Yeah. It's the whole point in the book in the way, yeah. you know? A hundred percent. And I think when I, so when I was reading your book, obviously the second book we're talking about, uh, 
I just wanted to put on Perry Como for some reason. <laughs> After the first chapter, I was like, yeah. I need to play Perry Como. Well, was, yeah. that was, uh, the, so Perry Como is very much, the, the guys in the who are members of the IRA, they really look up to Perry Como. Mm -hmm. And he provides a sort of dissonant mirror. He's got this very different masculinity and they have. And my dad, my dad's hero was Perry Como. Right. Well, and he, my, my dad, dad always got a Perry Como haircut. He still does to this day. He actually does the cut. It's, I love, I love that's all that. Yeah. that chat. Because that. again, that brings me back to looking at my uncles, man, his uncles and that, where... Uh, they used to go into like it was the, the, the tailors down at St. Enoch's. Uh, Slater's. Slater's. Oh, no, no, Slater's. It was, there was another one. Uh, it was quite really well known for their shirts. Ah, right, right, it right. It was like uh, they'd get Billy Eckstein shirts. Ah, right, you right, know, right. and like, you ah, know, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like ah, that. So it's right, you're writing about Perry Como, and you could tell yeah. it was so endeared to the heart that, you know, obviously you could, I could just tell it right away. The beauty in that, like, it's the know, voice I know more it's than any other voice outside of my family and lovers. Perry Como is the voice of I know best and yeah. I've lived with the longest. So it has an incredible, I mean, it's powerful. People mm -hmm. call it easy listening. I think, what's the opposite of easy listening? Because that's what Perry Como is. <laughs> e e elemental listening, because it's so heavy. You know, yeah. it, you know it, yeah. it's impossible. Aye. Can the ocean keep from rushing to the shore? Yeah. It's just impossible. All these very heavy concepts, you know? So I've got a dark secret, whereas my dad used to love listening to Mark Monroe. And that was always, I'd come down the stairs on a Sunday. Hung over or whatever, you know, thing, man. And he'd always be played Matt Monroe. And he'd always tell me stories about Frank Sinatra and this guy's career and all that, Matt Monroe. And I still, to this day, I can listen to Matt Monroe because you start. You know that voice. It's like a time capsule immediately. Mm -hmm. That's why you have to be careful. Mm -hmm. You can't just stick Como on, mm -hmm. you know, because it's because it's weighty. You know, and then my dad was very much like those characters in the book in that, um, you know, my dad was rough. He, he would always he was boast about Como. He'd be like, Como never smoked. Um, he never drank, he never swore, and he was always faithful to his wife. Mm. All things that my dad was incapable of doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he, but the whole point, my dad, so do you know what I mean? The whole point, this was a guy who transcended the normal sweet. things that men did. Uh, like a god almost, aye, aye, you know? Aye, everything they're against, but still, but look, at, look up so much, you know what I mean? And even just having that name, respect. Como, it sounds aye. like a god. Aye, Como, aye, aye. Como. It is actually, doesn't it? Como. Yeah. My, my dad listened to Como records, he would call it Como Therapy. Oh, uh, <laughs> but you do a thing, David, which I love. I mean, I described for the good times. It could, I've got a real interest in you know the whole troubles and whole Irish history and yep. that from my own background. But I described it earlier on as train spotting meets the troubles. But that's a bit of a I don't know how you feel about Irvin Welsh, but I love Irvin Welsh just the way he, he sort of writes how he speaks. You know, he mm -hmm. puts it down aye, there, aye. and the characters that were created they used to you know I, I love the characters. Now saw it one of his great characters in the all books was a guy called Just Terry never even made it into the train spotting film and uh why they never and i've just read blade artist uh -huh. where you know um and it, reading you know when you've got the guys these ira guys that are in a comic shop and you know <laughs> how do you develop just getting characters like that. I mean, how do you create... I got these plots, how do you, how do, you do the plots? Plots and characters and people that just come alive, like, you know. Do you know, it's, uh, it's impossible, it's actually impossible for me to say, that's why I could never run a creative writing fiction workshop, mm -hmm. because it's still magic to me, it's absolute mystery. One of the things I do is, believe it or not, is I never start a book with an idea, ever. Mm -hmm. I just, I try to sit, I listen. When I start to think I'm hearing the character, I almost just start transcribing. And I try to get myself out of the way and not have a thought. Because a lot of times, and for the good things, the characters would do stuff. I'd be like, oh, 
for fuck's sake what did you do that for aye you know you're not what are you thinking but you'd have to be I would be like I'm not a puppet master these characters I'm letting these characters live and do all this mad stuff that's out of my control see when I was genius so one of the questions that I was researching how I would interview an author, right? And one of the questions is plot or character, right? Or what what comes first? The character, does the character come first or do you create a plot first and then the character just builds in? Or do you have characters just in your head and it's just a case of they take over? And then the well, plot I, becomes... Well, well, I, I start with neither of those. I start right. deliberately with no ideas. I don't allow ideas. In fact, one of my big things about my books is they're not about any one thing in particular. My books are not there to make a point. And I think that's how they stay alive, the way I was talking about an organism, because you can't solve them. It's not like you get to the end, you're like, all right, I get, that was about this, and that point was made, and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. My whole thing is that they're alive, and you can start again and get new things from them. There's not one definitive reading of any of my books. And those characters spontaneously manifested themselves as I was writing it. For instance, there's a character in memorial device called Mary Hannah. She plays, she's a legendary bassist in Mary Hannah. She's mm -hmm. one you were talking about Irvin's supporting character. She's like always in the background of the book. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really come to the foreground. And she, you only see her through other people's eyes. But I became obsessed by her. I was like, God, Mary Hannah's so cool. I wish I, I wish I could hang out with her more. I wish that she'd turned up more in the book, but she didn't. So I'm writing another book a few years later, Monument Maker. Big, massive book, like quarter of a million words. Took me 10 years. But at one stage... A guy's visiting a sculptor. And I remembered in the back of my mind that Mary Hannah had made some sculptures as well, but I wasn't doing it consciously. So he goes into this garage in Airdrie and he opens the door to visit a sculpture. And I'm writing this in real time. And honestly, the door opens and I look in and no joke, it's Mary Hannah. Mary Hannah's yeah. a sculptor. And I, and I almost cried. I was like, oh my God, it's Mary. I haven't seen her in years. And she was younger than she was in Memorial oh, Device. Yeah. And I almost wept. To, I was like, I'm going to get to spend time with the younger Mary. And she was so Mary Hannah, she only stuck around for 5,000 words and then she fucked off again. <laughs> totally, totally typical Mary behaviour. But just for those 5,000 words, it was pure magic. You can't, you've got no control over oh, this. Mate, you know? Man, that's just See, that's my head. That's... Ordinary mortals like myself. I, I'll, 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 I, I, I know. My own, without you knowing him, reading one of his books, and I, I, I actually kind of thought that he... He writes books the way where they're all does mixes. Does <laughs> 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 remixes. That, is, that was my... <laughs> That was my sort of what I thought. Just right magical. Away. And everybody should be prescribed a part of David Keenan. So you, you, you know what I mean? A bit of that just to, to read. Well, my, my, my books aspire to the quality of music. Joseph uh -huh. is totally accurate. Uh -huh. My books aspire to the quality of music and I would like you to enjoy my books. Not the way where you analyse a novel when you come out and say it was about this or that, because just the way you listen to a piece of music. Yep. You don't listen to a piece of music to get to the end of it to then say what it was about. You get, you, you, the music is the experience itself. Mm -hmm. it's, so my, my novels are more like dance dancing about music or something like that you know what i mean oh uh, absolutely I mean, also it's another thing that you, you you've promoted or said to people you should read that you can read your books backwards yes definitely in any order mm -hmm. also you can jump in at different chapters like, that's what i mean by organisms there's yeah. multiple ways of approaching them and you can approach them yeah. yourself and you'll get different readings from them Aye. i mean I, like my book monument maker you can read backwards i didn't even realize what was happening with monument maker until i finished it is that your latest one no it's my second my second not the latest one but the one before that all ah, right okay yeah and i didn't even realize what the whole book was what was happening with the book until i finished mm -hmm. it myself so you, yeah. you you say you could read chapter the, the end chapter and go backwards yes each chapter, read each chapter backwards Aye. and you'll get a whole different reading and you'll find out different stuff that if you if you'd known earlier uh -huh. would have changed the book for you. You know what I mean? I'm going to show my lack of <laughs> intellect here, but is it Exabeth? Exabeth. That was the most Aye. amazing experience. That book. Mm -hmm. I have no recollection of writing that book. 
<laughs> not a single memory. No. And this, this goes back to where they're always all ties up really nicely. So what happened is the last time we were at that Corn Bonanza we were talking about, this is where extra Bath comes from. It, Andrew says, says Andrew's a lover of literature as much as he loves music, you know. This is why we began doing literary events with Andrew. Me and him did a lot together. And um, so we're sitting at Carcassonne. He's like, I'd like to do a, 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 my own publishing company. We'll call it Convenanza. And once a year, we'll publish a deluxe hardback, limited edition. You can get it at the festival. He said, the first one I'd like is for you to do it. Right. And he's like, do you have any books maybe lying about in a hard drive? I'd written a lot of novels that I hadn't published. So I was like, oh, I've got, I've got a lot of stuff. I'll look in my hard drive. Mm-hmm. So I found this thing called Dextabeth. And as I was reading that, I was like, no way. When did that? Did I really write this? And obviously I knew I must have, but I had no recollection of the entire thing. Wow. And it must have been like five months out of my life that completely are like a void. So I sent it to Lee and Andrew and I was like, would this be good for Convenanza? And Lee was like, mate, this is your next novel, never mind the one for oh, Convenanza. Man. And he was like, this is pure magic. So we put it out and to this day, I have no memory writing that. I think that book is pure magic. Well, I need to yeah. ask him because... You so one of the one of the questions would be what got you into writing, right? Mm-hmm. But what another question would be when did you realise that I'm an author? This is this is offer material, as in I've I've came I've came I'm now an author because I know that you wrote you wrote a book and then you destroyed it. Your first book, I did yes. Explain that. That was a ritual I took. Well, how do you become a writer when you don't know any other writers and you've you've never met a writer? Mm-hmm. Um, you've never been at a workshop, you've never met him who's been published, you don't know how to get an agent. Mm-hmm. I had no idea, but I was a fan. I've been reading books my entire life, obsessive book reader and book collector, always I'd been. So I, my dream was always to be an author. I was a music writer, but I don't know how to be an author. So I was getting into my 30s and I was like, all right, you know what, I'm getting older. If I don't, I, I need to get serious. If I'm going to write novels, I need to start writing now because time's getting short. So yeah. I started writing a novel. And I quickly realized it was the worst novel of all time. And I was like, I was despairing. I was like, I will never, ever be an author because this is garbage. Every cliche in the book, every... But then I caught myself, I was like, wait a minute, this is what everybody gives up. Aye. The point is to get aye, beyond aye, this, yeah, beyond aye, this aye, stage. Aye, aye. So I took a vow right there. I said to myself, do you know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to complete the worst novel of all time. <laughs> right. But I'm making a vow right. that when I complete it, I'm going to destroy it. So I'm going to teach myself to write hopelessly because I think that's the only way you could ever become yeah. a writer. You know. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when, I, when I finished after a year, I wrote the worst novel of all time and not only deleted it from my laptop, I took a fucking hammer to my laptop <laughs> and, <laughs> and I smashed my laptop into smithereens, <laughs> threw it away, started again and the next book I wrote was this is memorial device. <laughs> Apparently the guy wrote the Old Testament. Love to hear that book. The guy who wrote the Old Testament <laughs> no, thought that he didn't destroy it, he just came up with a new testament. <laughs> 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 I just smashed up that first one started again. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. absolutely brilliant. So when I, I was reading it and I was like, no, you're not gonna you're not gonna destroy it. You shouldn't why would you do that? And then I realised it's because it's a process. Yeah. It's and you're process. asking like what so I, I Obviously, when I published my first book, the, the, the novel, I felt like, oh, oh my God, I'm a new writer, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But one of the, the motivation for me writing goes right back to being a kid. And I knew that, I, I talked about my father and that, and I knew I would, memo- I, I, I knew that I had some kind of duty mm-hmm. and some kind of talent to memorialize these type of men in that type of situation mm-hmm. that they couldn't do. And they would be forgotten without yeah, it all. Yeah. And I wanted to write a micro history, what it was like to be actual men living through history. You know the big historical mm. narratives, the small people living through it. Yeah. And I wanted to memorialise my dad and his brothers. Of so course. even as a kid, when yeah, I was sitting in that room and I'd be like, one day I will make these men literally immortal. So that, that, you know? that leads me to a question then. So, so your characters that you have, right, 
How close are they to the people that you actually know? Are they based on the people that you know? Not really. I mean, no. I've, I've, there's no single character that can, you could point to a single person. No. Everything's composite. And also, I, I always say, I, I don't think these characters up. So I believe they have a kind of an independent existence in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's me to like let them be yeah. kind of thing, you know? Yeah. But the biggest motivating thing ultimately for me, and this is in my life, is gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude is the biggest thing. It is the greatest practice in your life. Because every moment, mm -hmm. when we're sitting here right now, mm -hmm. we have so much to be grateful for. Just oh. the fact we're able to sit and do this. Mm -hmm. We have our comparative health. Mm -hmm. There's no immediate crisis outside yeah. the window. Mm -hmm. Absolute gratitude. And see, when I was growing up in Airdrie, um, I felt so good. I mean, people would say, you grew up in a fucking shithole. You know, and I wanted a father, he worked in a shoe shop. I mean, mm -hmm. it was the most romantic time ever. I had the best childhood. I had a loving father and a loving mother. Um, never felt poor once. Loved Airdrie. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw everyone that you could see that was so exciting. And again, I said to myself, one day, I'm going to write. Because a lot of Scottish novels and a lot of Scottish literature, you brought up Irvin, it's often associated with uh, addiction, uh, poverty, violence, alcoholism. And I wanted to say, no. Scottish towns can be places of total romance. Oh, they can be places right. of infinite yeah, possibility. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's, that's, my, that's when my gratitude came. Mm -hmm. I will write books to say thank you for the beautiful gifts I was given by growing up in these places. Mm -hmm. Well, the first, yeah, yeah, the yeah, first, nice the first guy that was on was Bob. Uh, if you've watched the first uh, YouTube Green Sunrise, and it was Bob, and he's an Erdry guy, and he's the same age as you. Has he's he just right? turned, well, he's just, he'll be just turning 51. Wow. So uh, I was like, Bob, do you know him? Do you know? Says, but Bob's obviously dealing with some stuff at the moment. When obviously we're talking about EUPD, that was the first uh, episode. Uh, and... Bob's dealing with a lot of stuff at the moment, so uh -huh. I, but I was talking to him and he still I still talk to him every kind of week and every couple of days. And I was telling him, I'm, I'm interviewing David Keenan. Do you know him? He's an he's from Earthly kind of thing. He's like, I don't, I do. Have you got a sister? I do, yes. Right, because I think he, I think is it what's his name? Sorry, Helen. Helen. I'm sure it, that's what he says. I, I might know the sister. So I, that was the conversation. That's how it ended. I was just wondering if you knew Bob. Bob Condy. I Bob like Condy. that. I like that gratitude thing. We were but talking, the about, we were talking yeah. about a, a famous comedian. I don't want to mention his name because we really, I really like him, but I'm about to slag him here. <laughs> um, but <laughs> he was doing he was doing that thing. Um, I was saying I was listening to a podcast. Only enough, he was on a podcast, and he was doing that thing about you know he grew up in Glasgow, right? So you can take your guess. Irish parents, but he was making Glasgow out, and I, I don't really mind that, and other males because where I grew up, growing up in City Hall, you know, I there was issues with poverty, drugs, you name it. But like you've just said, never felt poor, mm. loving family. Same as well. City Hall was Same. a fantastic yep. community. I still get emotional when I pass by in the bus, even though it's mm -hmm. totally different. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> But he was doing that sort of thing as if, yeah, you know, it was like Glasgow was like Beirut, you know, ah, it was like, ah, ah, ah wait, ah, school ah, with guys, that, you know, their dads chopped their head off and all that, oh. you know. <laughs> and when I was listening, I thought, it's going, it's going to a big audience and come on, I live in that city. All cities are basically the same. And I like that, I like that attitude about, you know. It's trying to fly in the face of that a little bit. I mean, it's just, it's just not the full story. It's uh -huh. not the full story. So I wanted to give the other side of that story a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. It's all about saying yes. That's a big thing for me. How can you say yes, even in difficult circumstances? Mm, yep. It's dead easy to say no and complain and protest. Yep. But how can you affirm? So a big hanging for the good times is these are kids growing up in a war zone, but yet yeah. they're resilient. They learn how to say yes, even in the face of all that. I think that's the big thing because that's what life asks us. 
can you say yes to all this, including suffering, mm -hmm. including the fact that life it feeds on life? Yep. Yeah. You need it's, it takes an awful big affirmation to say yes to life, but that's what art helps us do. Mm -hmm. You know I mean, what I mean? When I met, met uh, Joe for the first time, and I'll be honest, I can, you know, I I, I know you well know everybody seemed to know Joe. I went home and said, <laughs> "Met Joe Curran." <laughs> My wife said, "Ah, Joe." And I'm like, <laughs> but the introduction was Joe the plumber. Now, Joe the plumber was the bullshitter that challenged Barack Obama in 2000. Oh, right. I, 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 I had a few references right. to that at that time. I. So <laughs> right away I'm thinking, no, Joe the plumber didn't want to say it. And then you were talking about all these people that you knew, you knew David Keenan, mm -hmm. you knew Andy Bell, and then you like, you knew Andrew Weatherall. And I'm it's, like, it's only just been come on, being immersed in that. Who but is this guy? That goes all the way back to like, Upbringing, didn't it? Again, you know, but uh, um, music but, about the house, you know, but, you and know, stuff. You, you were just such a down to earth guy, and you're living this fantastic life, and you know, and, <laughs> you know, but you, but you are the ordinary, ordinary Joes. Can I use that pun? And actually, but myself, you know I mean? no, but myself mean. and yourself, David. I mean, we're on a, a podcast here about mental health, yeah. and if mm -hmm. anybody they might not be watching it because they know I'm on, but. Um, <laughs> the you know if they're watching this, you know I can avow there's two characters here that are just uh, remarkable and what you know what they do and that's my gratitude to to both of you and to you know Andrew Weatherall who I mean you must have seen my face my jaw drop when you just casually <laughs> mentioned him I'm yeah. like you know right away scream at Erica you know I mean he's a hero you know yeah and, and what Andrew did and, and I think he's been a role model <coughs> definitely for us as well as Andrew was all about community I mean Andrew never played Glastonbury Always refuse to play Glastonbury. Mm -hmm. Andrew, he always said, it's "If you're, you know, if you're not out, if you're yeah. not out in the margins, you're taking up too much room." Was uh -huh. his thing. And uh -huh. His whole thing was rather than tap into already mm -hmm. formed commercial sort of communities, create your own. Yeah. According to your own values, and this has been very much this Joseph's like that as well. Create, and that's for me, my books, the fact that I do the DJing and I do, I do a lot of events. I go out there and I do talks, and they're more like gigs. Mm -hmm. They're not like going to a you know a book festival. They're more exciting mm -hmm. than that. Mm -hmm. And I, and I feel like we've created a community around us. That has a real sense of like t taking part. Yeah. Like everybody's involved, you know what I mean? And, and it's the model. My publisher always says this thing, it's, it's the acid house model. Everyone's on the dance floor together. And I, I love that idea, you know? Yeah, that's brilliant. But it's all about model, community. Right? Community is a big thing for me. Yeah. How do you generate a community around this, around the values that we share, around the, around the art and literature and the music that we share, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's, that's what I thought we were doing with like Sonic Treasure <laughs> Show, or doing that, you know? I mean, I, I'm a plumber, you know what I mean? That's, that's my graph, that's my... That, that pays the bills, that's what I do, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Music is, again, something that we've been immersed in, like, through family and brought up with, you know, we've all been there with that, but uh, the, the show, the Sonic Treasure show, again, is all about the community, it's all about, like, the idea came, sadly, out of Andrew's passing, uh, where I was asked to do a, 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 a tribute show on Radio Magnetic I used to work with, and, uh, and I'd done it, and then I was like, I, I had two CDJs, and I was like, fuck, did I... How, how, you know, I was always vinyl, you know, yeah. and I'm going, I need to get to know how it work these yeah. things. <clears throat> and I had a wee sampler and I had a wee uh, space echo, and I was like, right, put that one night, start, got ideas, put it all together. And uh, and I put a sweet tribute show together, and then I was like, I've got an idea here, you know, why don't I kind of try and like, approach some like guests and stuff? And we hit COVID, so probably with COVID, it did take off, and it gave me time to sit in my, my arse and actually go, right. Instead of like having to jump out to jobs and stuff like that, right? Because there was nothing happening. Mm -hmm. So it gave me, I had all this music 
in books and stuff that I've no time to actually immerse myself in. So we know where else to go. I was great. Other people were building man huts and man Aye. caves and climbing the wall to get out to <laughs> fucking the pub. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was glad to be. Yeah. I'm in the house. I'm, I'm surrounding myself with what I've what I've collected over all these years. You know. So out of that, then came the show. It was it was just a case of contacting people with the advent of social media has been a lot easier. And uh, and just like saying, look, do you want to come on to a show? It's carte blanche. You've got do what you want to do. Let make a mixtape. Let make make like a C ninety tape. Oh, yeah, yeah. You used to do just your own favourites. Where and it, to be honest, again with that community feel about the show that gives it us is it could be Andy Bell, it could be Sean Johnson, it could be you know MD, but it can also be somebody who I dig personally or mm -hmm. somebody locally I know that goes out and buys put, puts as much money into the industry like buying you know, digitally or vinyl, you know, as well. They deserve a chance. They've got a voice that needs to be spoken. I always believe that there's a great album, there's a great book in every every person that walks, you know. Yep. It's just getting it out there, you know. And my my, my give back is is actually doing like that show, was doing it, you know. I've been happening, it was happening on to him for ages. You know, right, need to go up, we need to do this, need to do that. And now, we're actually just involved doing it yep. anyway. Mm -hmm. So, but... That community aspect, I you know, Massive. if I was, can just get my plug in while he's saying community, yes. Um, you're talking about your passion. I mean, my passion, like probably the vast majority of this city, uh, is football. Mm -hmm. Um, and never really done nothing, but one day I was looking at I think it was a football magazine and it advertised, and I don't know if you've heard, but again, tying into mental health because it does fantastic for that with something called Man V Fat. And this is really a Weight Watchers with a ball, right? At the mm -hmm. time, I didn't really need need it. Right, that's why, right? <laughs> right. So, um, so the idea is, you go, you play um, thirty minutes each Sunday, but before you go, you put yourself in a scale. If you if you've lost weight, you'll get a goal. Um, if you do it three weeks in a row, you'll get yourself a hat trick towards your team. You go and play for thirty minutes and. So say you it's a five each draw, it then goes on the scale. But you you know you need to track your track your weight. You've so got you can get additional there, additional right? points. So again, I get two halves. So you know I said to Paul, if I go on this, I really want to plug this. Anybody just go yeah. on Google because the community aspect is since then the amount of people that I've met and are extremely friendly with, and now oh it's a Sunday. There's groups set up. You just mentioned so we've all got where we WhatsApp groups. There's games on a our games on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, mm -hmm. Saturday. It's just because you know that organic. Everybody's going to meet each other. Yeah. Paul's Paul's friend started, and he will be a testament to that. As soon as somebody joined, I, I couldn't believe it. People were just so encouraging. It was more about the staying healthy, you know, the mental health. Um, and the the you know the camaraderie the feelings of we're on it together, um, and it's just you know it's just went mild. And I know I know I've got my phone off, but I know that when I put it back on, I'll have like forty of these guys dropping daft messages about what's happening, you know, in the world or yeah, the podcast because we've, cre we've created that no that friendship uh -huh. that mm -hmm. just 
through that community has grown. Just aye, aye, it's beautiful. That. You mentioned banter. People, <coughs> people can be really sort of snotty about banter and think it's... Banter's so important. Oh, it's, it's one of the great joys. I think as men, it's very good to be <laughs> yeah. around other men that are good at banter. Yeah, it's, aye, it's, aye, it's such aye, a brilliant relief to me. You know, sometimes I'll go back to my wife when we've been hanging out and I was like, you know, me and, me and Joseph and a couple of the guys on the pub, I was like, oh, I feel so good after just a aye, night of just so, mindless so, banter. It's beautiful. That's, that's it's beautiful. Some of the and banter that you would get in good company is even better than, you know... Better than going to pay money to see whatever comedian. Aye. It's medicine you know, everywhere. No, it's medicine for me. Aye, you know? Since I was telling a man we fat story there, I got injured at, at one point and I was out for like six weeks and they just changed the teams every now and again. They'll, they'll, they'll do that. They'll change the, the mm -hmm. sort of squads, right? Just try and freshen it up. And there's people joining all the time. So um, I text my mates, I'm coming back on Sunday. I've hit thing, man. Um, I'm in such and such. Now they they they, they, they find it by what colour you're in. Unfortunately, I'm in the blues, which is <laughs> indicates the team I like. But anyway, but then and I get told you're in the pink team, and I'm like, what? There's a pink team. <laughs> I went. That's not a problem. I'll go and buy Celtic and that pink step out of the time. So I went and bought that. I turned up. I wasn't here. I was in like the black team or something. <laughs> and I stole this day and called Dark Fruits. <laughs> After that drink. But brilliant. You know, just brilliant. brilliant. I took it out there. That if you lose you do that great you lose that much weight you it's, transfer it's in your BMI it goes in the BMI okay mm -hmm. so the body mass index right which is a lot of nonsense because I remember um, I go on the rugby thing you know I like my rugby as well um, and it was showing uh, Johnny Wilkinson 15 he was 15 stone 10 uh, and you know 5 foot 10 uh, and the guy's whole body was just muscle and it was saying with his body mass index he would be like morbidly obese going on this rating you know the guy was a specimen he was like the best player in the world rugby what was his fit when he was was he 15 stone when he was at his peak aye at his peak 15 stones it was all muscle you know it was just um, so you know, there's people there, on, sometimes unfortunately, but I like attack on sometimes. I, I'm a wee bit late with a kick because there's a lot of <laughs> big, tall, young, skinny, young boys there, you know. And then you're like, Why are you? you believe get their work the next day. <laughs> why are you here? Why are you here? You know, why are you here? But <laughs> you know, um, but we get two good signings at the weekend, yeah. Uh, so a shout out to uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Akram. Who is just an outstanding football player? He just signed there, but that boy does not need always anyway, you know. And plus, he's a really good looking boy, he's a monkey old baldy fat guy like me. <laughs> but I had his kicking for him, and he scores the goals. <laughs> and Naeem Nine's another signing, we go, he's a business as well. Oh, so, is this giving these, these, these boys that like a, like a rejuvenation look to get out there and? And you know, kick a I ball know. when they might know have uh, actually uh, had the opportunity to even be in a there's a lot of guys, it's, it's open to all shapes and sizes, mm -hmm. and that's true. You know, I mean, there's a lot, lots of guys when they turn up, you can see them turning up. And I don't know if I was the same myself, I've never sort of been the shy type, but maybe I am. Um, but they go and they think, you know, like the Weight Watchers, you can see them being really nervous. There's a lot of people that are really overweight. Um, I've seen some amazing transformations. I've seen guys lose 12 stone. All right, you know, at, at a, 
you know, a right good length of period. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done, they've obviously done their other thing outside. It's, it's a confidence it. as well. But, you know, I mean, it's know, a they're, confidence they're, aspect. I mean, it, it gets built, built in within that. See, you saying it, my, my boy, uh, sorry to take us off us, Brian. No, no, so, my my boy, Gabriel, who, Yannick and Joseph, right? So Gabriel's the middle, he's, so Joseph's 22. Gabriel's 20, right? Yannick's 16, right? So Gabriel's 20. And wouldn't he, when he when he speak, wouldn't he say a thing? Wouldn't he like you know? He'd always just be like you know, I dead shy and everything. Aye. And during lockdown, he, uh, him and his mates decided to just start doing weights in the you know in the, the driveway in the back, right? And mm-hmm. he knew he's like, it's like, it's like I don't want to say he's because my boy, but he's like an Adonis, right? Mm-hmm. He's solid, like, shaped like that, solid. What a wow physique he's got on him. Mm-hmm. And he's the most cockiest wee cunt you ever <laughs> You know bad. He's bad, 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 bad. He's wanting to pick me up and go. <laughs> he's not, up. but it's, it's brought him right out. Uh-huh. He's, and I'm wondering if, like, but that's a great aspect of like, doing something like that as well. You know, uh-huh. if you can just give somebody a wee, a wee shoe up, you yep. know what I mean? Just uh-huh. a wee, yep. a wee punt up into yep. it, you know? To bring up that confidence. You oh, know? 100%. It's in there. You know? A lot of people, Paul, just go for that, the mental health. Yeah. I mean, even if, you know, um, I mean, I've lost a couple of stone, but even if I didn't lose any more, I would never give it up because just that, you got to play football with your pals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're getting to my age, you don't need to be, although even sometimes I think, I'm Lionel Messi, Diego Maradona <laughs> in my head, you know what I mean? Highly moving, but, you know, I'm kicking a ball. And that's great for it, you know, in itself. And that's just... But I get that joy, and I especially get that joy uh, reading your books, David. Aye. I have to say, and I get that joy listening to uh, your music Aye, and so beat and Paul's company. And that's Wait, which the radio station that you you're, you're at the now. There's a radio magnetic. Radio magnetic. Is, uh, you'll find me and David on a Sunday on there. Just right. get a wee plug. Aye, uh, definitely. It's I don't know when this goes out, but it's radio magnetic's a sort of flagship uh, station that I'll do. Uh, but also there's a uh, Radio Buena Vida, which is over on the south side. That's We've right. got a beautiful wee uh, cafe bar, eh, no cafe eh, bar, sorry, cafe coffee shop. You know, uh, you can get a, a wee bite to eat, bring your own bottle. But they've got the decks just like sitting in the windows. You're playing in the window. It's a beautiful setup. We they, they used to be over like a wee record shop, some great reward, and then they got their own premises. So that's yeah. a great community hub as well. Uh, the it stuff looked good. Actually, I remember you sharing it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you shared it on it's Instagram. A great, Instagram. I love, I, I actually love, I love getting up the road, getting my stuff ready and just going, right, go out. You know, usually I'm always running about, but it's like, Aye. get over and then the minute you're there, it's like, right, pff, and relax, you know what I mean? And, okay, aye, it's, it's not, aye, it's, and it's great, it's just great to, I always try to do with the show is, is about like yourself, is it's, it's like, it's, it's not, it's trying it's not about me. It's about the to me. It's about the music that's played. It's about the artists. You know what I mean. That's the thing. It's about you know. It's about getting their music out. It's getting harder and harder for them as well to, to make a few bob. Like so, it's gone all the days I can do it. Willies are gone here. They're buying a seven inch single. I don't know if you made more money then or whatever. But I think it'd be it's split up so much now, isn't it? We like Spotify's and iTunes and Apple and all this. You know what I mean. So you still have your record me, company, David. No, I used to I used to have a record company. I used to run a record shop as well called Volcanic right, Tongue. Right, it was in Aniston. We did that for about ten years, 
and when I ran around a couple of labels at that time as well. But no, it's not something I've done anymore. I've got back to being a fan, you know. It's a wee bit when you're working in retail. I mean, you you, you know, it's it's tough. And I think a few years after I closed the record shop down, I sort of took myself away from music a little bit. Right. But I've totally got back to being a total fan again and just mm -hmm. listening because I absolutely love it. So who are you know? listening to? Um, well, my favourite, I mean, I listen to, I listen to widely a lot of, a lot of different stuff. I'm in a lot of like 1960s stuff. I like a lot of like, um, my total downhead and stuff like that. Ah. Um, I like a lot of dance music, a lot of dub, I'm in a post-punk, I like a lot of industrial and experimental music. Um, and I also like some mainstream stuff. Lana Del Rey is probably my favourite contemporary pop star. Mm -hmm. Totally obsessed by her. I think she's amazing. Oh, she's right, she's just like what, the, the greatest songwriter of her generation. Wait, I, I for, uh, Berlin Baden was my last kind of job before uh, for what I'm doing now if I'm working for Enable Scotland now, so I work for a charity now but I worked for uh, Enable Scott uh, Berlin Bain as book publishers mm -hmm. and she her one of her last books was done through them they produced it or they were obviously making it for her and I thought this lad of those books it was just a book it was an orange on this book it, that was the cover it was this all I'm sure it was an orange Aye. and it was just and I don't know what it was called I should have known that but Lana Del Rey I was like gonna get a copy of that <laughs> didn't I get one to be fair but Lana Del Rey's music ah oh, it's just amazing uh, just amazing totally beautiful okay. uh -huh. just beautiful yeah you also right you, you also you don't have a TV is this still the case? Yeah, I haven't owned a TV pr probably for 20 years now. Well, I don't own it. I don't buy any, any sort of industrial culture stuff. Right. I don't have a car. Yeah, I don't have a TV. Um, I, you know, I, I don't, you, I don't read the news. I no, mean, I I'm, compo I'm completely cut off from the modern world in so many ways. And I absolutely love it. I feel as if when I go back to my house, I'm kind of stepping out of time a wee bit, you know? <laughs> and also, I mean, I've got, so then you've got to kind of occupy yourself. I think that's why I do so much writing. That's why I ended up playing so much music, you know? So you can completely just turn off and then just go to that place where you need to go. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Throwing but, the telly tonight. I mean, I've never, I've never seen any. Like, I've never even seen any like game. I know Game of ah, Thrones game of exists, Thrones for instance, that, aye, aye. but I've not. I can. I, I know it's probably a wee bit like Lord of the Rings, but I've never seen anything like that. Mm. I quite like that. I quite like just. Mm. I've got my own cultural agenda. I, I don't tend yeah. to move to anyone mm. else's. You know, That's and I want to decide what my days are going to be about, or what I want to think about, or what I want to interact with that day. Well, you know, one of, one of my guys, uh, Ian, what he talks, we talk a lot about turning off to turn on right yep. so we turn off everything turn off your tv and yep. don't listen to the news and and it's so true if you, if you can actually do that people in, in wayne's or wait our children are being abused mm -hmm. do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. they, are, they are being abused do you know what i mean yes. through this watching yeah. this this i agree the thing, I, the, war. <laughs> the thing in the war it's like sometimes i date myself i'm watching that much crap Sometimes you get there and it makes you depressed. I'm no. actually beginning to know as I'm getting older, I actually think I'm wasting, that's a bit of time wasted. Yep, I, I do. sitting watching that crap. Through this conversation, I mean? you know, and through when I was doing the research for this, right? And I'm like that, and I don't do research, but I don't, I just, I, I'll try and write down stuff and I'll just look into it as much as I can. And I'm like, I was getting excited about this <laughs> because we're still getting Brian on as well and uh, Brother Joseph, but just... This, I knew, I knew the stuff about you. I knew the fact that TV is no longer a, a, no a thing in your house. Yep. How does this work? How does that work? And that, to me, I was like, right, this is all part of mental health. This is all part of 100%. people who are tuned in to this can wall, mm -hmm. this box in the wall. And it's destroying their life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to be a bit, you know, challenge this a bit. Yeah. I could not live without my 
regular doses of Only Fools and Horses. And <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> that's all I watched. UK Gold. Other than that, <laughs> right? Well, that's the only TV. That's the last I time do. I probably watched TV. All this stuff is in yeah. UK Gold. Yeah. I know all that stuff. I do. Other than that, you know, <laughs> you've got all that. You know the stuff that that, that is on the telly now. All the what? No, the ones that create all the. Aye. You know what I'm talking. About. You see all these. But I mean, it's time to do other things. And all these sort of shows. Well, when we're talking about mental health, another big mental health thing for me is gardening. Gardening has become absolutely massive for me. I've got an allotment, me and my wife, and we we do grow a lot of our own vegetables. And we do pretty well. And I've built a hut up there, and I've got a wood-burning stove in there. There's a wee deck there and everything. And so... For instance, during lockdown, that, that kept us sane. We were going up mm-hmm. gardening every day, and it was absolutely amazing. Aye. And again, with phones off, you're up there an entire day. I mean, it's like meditation. Yeah. You know, I can I can be weeding a bed for like an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and I'm not a single thought goes through my head, except a vaguely satisfied feeling to be doing what I'm actually doing. See, the you first, know? Aye, aye, aye. The first aye, house aye. I got, I thought, I'm going to get into this garden. You know, my mum quite liked the garden. She'd come up and do it. But very gradually, I decided, you know what, I quite like slabbing. Hold on, he was talking about Fred West here a minute. <laughs> 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 I stayed in the high flats, the Carn scheme in Springburn. Aye. That was a great community as well. Aye. Uh, one 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 road and one way out. And I think everybody, everybody running about surrounding the area thought it was a snob scheme. Aye. For some reason, it's just a crank me scheme. Aye. You never really done anything bad because, well, you, you everybody got up to whatever, you know. But you never done anything majorly bad because your your mas and that would go up to the co-op. You know, remember the old, you don't see them nowadays, the, the old shopping trolleys. No. No. Now you see the wee woman with the shopping trolley the internet on it as well. And be and up, you'd be you know that if you were out of you get one across the back of the heat if, uh, if it was like, aye, aye, your Joseph was up there, aye, you throw, you throw snowballs at people's windows and everything, all that, that was a good jumping wee, hedges that and everything, was a good it was great, scheme, but, but that was a wee soft, the, soft as uh, shite scheme, my mum, oh, oh, there you go, oh, snobby, what's the snobby scheme, my mum was a medical receptionist, if it wasn't for the recent blinds, it'd be curtains for everybody, Fairbank Medical Centre, I know the Fairbank, I was in Fairbank Street, aye, so that's how I know, we were, we were class, we were class as rich, because my dad, my dad didn't drink and he, and he, and he would be out working and building stuff and that, right? And he didn't drink because but he'd have, he'd have beat a Beatamax video. And it was like, they've got a video. They've got a video, a Sony C7. You know, you could have you used to see the, the, the weight of this thing. And also, those video cassettes cost a fortune back then as well, didn't they? First, first videos that were bought was Blue Hawaii and GI Blues. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Friday night when I was a kid, you're talking about Chevrolet's. It'd be like, right, going up with Asda and get your, uh, you know, you'd hire the you'd video out. You got to hire it out. You'd be a match. So you'd hire it and then you'd yeah. have to take it back your next yeah. day. Yeah, as I'd, as I'd do as well. Hire videos. I know. I, 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 I can't remember what goes on to that there, but we'll talk about that. <clears throat> I think just turning off of TVs and trying to turn off of that world. And oh, social media is a. a, we, a, a so we, worked, we worked recently there with uh, the Plymouth Brethren. The lot of jobs we were doing was with uh, the Plymouth, right? Plymouth wow, Brethren. Really? That's how they live. They live like no no TV, no. 
Did they have an actual community music. in Glasgow, or is this just an individual family you're working with? They probably have, do have, if they've got their own school and stuff. I don't want to go too much if they're yeah. no bad mouth and like, no, no bad mouth at all. So, yeah. like, oh, they've got this and they've got that. But I, as in that, they, they live in that sect of like, you know, uh, no TV, you know, sort of. Obviously, things have got to change nowadays with the, you know, social media and stuff like that. You know, kids are growing up as well, but it's a. Uh, they, they, their work is their church, you know what I mean, mm. basically, and they're, they're very kind of really, you know, right, you know, on with what they do, with, you know, very successful in what they do, they yeah. write everything into that. Where you do know? you stand, David, on audio books, audible? See, I, I, for a while I listened mm. and I thought, no, it's a, it didn't feel natural to me. I needed a book, I needed to turn a page, that's even a, with the... That's a good question. See the... Remember the Kindle? Books, the Me- remember <laughs> the Kindle? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't like the Kindle because I don't like, I like to see the physical heft of the book. Yeah, I like to be able to see how far I've read, how far I've got to go. Yeah. I just like the physical object, but I'm a big fan of Audible and audio right. books. In fact, I've started recording my own. I did This Is Memorial Device as an audio book, and I did my new one, Industry of Magic and Light, as an audio book. They're both available. And I have to say, I absolutely loved it. Loved it. Did, did it give you anything different, but from the actual, I mean, I love the, having the wee bookcase. I love having having you know because um, I, I, I used to always laugh see during so, lockdown uh-huh. and you get people on the television on the news they made sure they they, they good books behind aye, them you know aye, what i mean aye, 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 everybody aye, aye. everybody was reading nietzsche and all that and but you know so what do you think i just love having a book yeah um, i do but i think one of the things that i began to realize it was cool about an audio book is that a big thing for me in writing and even t- in terms of bringing the characters alive is getting the rhythm right mm-hmm. when, I, when i said i aspire to a sort of musicality for me it's all about the rhythm and the sense so when i'm writing my books when, when i've written down sort of my editorial process is more like i then read it back out loud and i make sure i never stumble i make sure the rhythm keeps going if, if i stumble yes. i'll change the settings Just to fit a rhythm better so i make and sometimes the rhythm might be an odd rhythm but it needs to be in that rhythm mm-hmm. and so one of the good things i found when i was doing audio books is you can really you transmit the rhythm of the book really efficiently and people can get into the rhythm even easier than writing sometimes, you know? And I think also it's good when it's the author himself doing it because you mm. develop a relationship to the voice. Aye, that's right. what you I was going to say. I read, uh, I've only ever done one audiobook, believe it or not. Wow. And it was, uh, uh, I'm not a big reader, to be fair, I'm going to be honest as well, but the, the audiobook that was The Miracle Mornings by Tim Tim Elrod or something like that, something Elrod. And I, I, lo- I loved it because you could... Get about your house, do what you need to aye, do. Listen, still listen aye, to aye, it. Aye, still aye. You could have it on your, your ears and just listen to it whilst you're walking yep. and stuff like that. So I, I love the audiobook stuff as well. David I love Holmes it. is a big fan of it. He, I think he just learned to drive. If I read somewhere, mm-hmm. did, he, did he? Maybe I'm mistaken, right? But he said that. Uh, and what got him into more into driving was was a uh, audiobooks. Ah, brilliant! And then he was actually finding it's used to jump out at night and go to the shops, you know, ah, jump out ah, so he ah. could catch up with his audiobook. Aye. But you'll have to listen to a podcast. I'm not just saying on a bit books. I'm, I just aye. need to. I'm mm, not a massive books. great. I'm, I'm a great reader. I'll get so far and then I'll, I'll put it down and I'll go back to it. Right, but that's what I uh, The industry of music light. Uh, I read half, got halfway. And then it was through Amazon Prime or something like that, right, whatever, and I, and I went, oh, I'll go on that, I'll try it, the audiobook. So it was, I got mm-hmm. yours right away and see, it's it, bits to the book. Like, I was like, you? you know. That's me, I, 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 So right. it's like, it's, it's like him, like, it's, imagine, like, as you say, you know, like, I'm actually trying to think when he actually, if he stopped to get a cup of tea or to have his lunch when he was doing it, you know what I mean? Because it's just total, it's, you so know. It's just total, right. and it's, and it's, 
it's him and it's like ah, it's even there was a couple of wee things in the book see the bagpipe but right I make the sound so I start doing the bagpipe sounds my voice and stuff like that right I couldn't get that in the book but see whenever you've done that in the book the audio it was fucking amazing and then what's interesting is you go back to the text and then he was getting into the distance where but you did you shattered one illusion but earlier on and this is why I like a book I'm terrible for you know, thinking what is, what does the either, you know, what does the author mean by that? What is he trying to, and I love the line and I use that when Samuel was talking about, you know, his dad and having, feeding the hamsters to the snake yeah. and basically saying, no, oh, that's life. And if, you know, if snakes could shrug, you know. <laughs> but he put them in his shoulders. They, exactly right. <laughs> They'd be shrugging all the time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> They'd be shrugging all the time. And I, I thought, that. that's magic. That's just wonderful. And that tells, but I was just, <laughs> I, I must have sat on that line for ages, thinking of all the different examples and where I would be and, you know, and, you know, what does, what does that mean? And, you know, because um, it, it does, I mean, I, I use that for, you know, my kids, you know, that's 2018 or that, you know. See, you forget, I, I forget that. I, you, I, I hadn't remembered that uh -huh. sentence until you told me that. And when you tell me it has a sort of, it feels like something that, nothing to do with me. Uh -huh. It's That's something that happens to remind me of that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. wow. And I'm just remembering it once, because these characters are alive. I remember another one, I think it's maybe Barney at the time, and they're trying to have a meeting and there's, there's somebody's eating a salad. And Barney, <laughs> and he, he, he's, he's, he's like, see that, see that radish? See that radish That's here? Right, see if I was a radish? I'd be that exact that right. there. Like, we're trying to have a conversation about setting a bomb into Europa here. Exactly. And you're identifying with a radish, you know? And that's, um, but, you know, so I'll, I'll say that all the time. Now people say, uh, you know, you're just trying to say, and you're, instead of saying to people, you know, oh, that's life. You know, or my wife's great one is, it is what it is, I'll say. But I'll, I'll now say, that's what happens, you know, if, if snakes could shrug, they'd be shrugging all the time, even <laughs> then. <doing> it. <laughs> Uh, that is class. Well, that is so you know, oh. but I just I love that, you know. Um I, I mean honestly I'm not that's the, back to banter and patter, isn't it? I'm not, it's, 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 it's joy of language, and that's I, the thing. So I grew up with my dad, I like mm. Joy of language. And the Irish very much have that as well. One of the things I wanted to do in the book is there's a lot of Irish jokes in the book. I was going to ask you just that. That was when he was saying I was thinking uh. about you, you like a good joke in the book. But that's, yeah. And that's and part of like, the... that's part of joy in language. Mm. The cute, joy of a joke. A cute angina. Oh, a, cute, uh, a cute angina. That's an aye, absolute aye. classic. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. But, but if you read the way I do it in the book, I arrange the jokes as if they're like poetry. It's after experimental <laughs> poetry. Because I would say the same urge that animates like James Joyce, you know, I see he's not experimental Irish literature. The flip side of that is the Irish joke. That's a working class version of that kind of uh, modernism, the joy in language. Yep. If you just play with language, you'll get a sort of revelation. And I saw the Irish joke is exactly that same thing. Faith and joy in words, you know? Yeah. And I, that's part, ultimately, that's part, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I love I love stuff like that. But for, for me, somebody that could never be an author, but would have, you know, would love to be that curse of, I mean, when I was at, at school, I was rubbish at everything else other than English and modern studies right proud to say i got my english higher but uh but that shakespeare you know every, nobody was interested in shakespeare i went out and bought the whole lot couldn't understand it but i used to love and you know every single line and then a teacher saying to me you know trying to educate me of what that line actually meant you know so mm -hmm. wasn't just the words that were there in the mm -hmm. paper there was there was more behind that and mm -hmm. i you know still every book i read 
you know, I will read that. So I can, I can made the joke about the, the New Testament. I'm not even the most religious person, but I can read the the Bible as a, a you know. As just as an atheist, I, 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 <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm an atheist, I would no, say there's a spirituality about me. I do agree. I mean, I'm, I, I, I grew up when I went to Sunday, my mum sent me to Sunday school mm-hmm. every, every year of my life when I was a kid. So I'm, I, really, I'm, I really know the Bible, and I'm glad I do. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it's an influence on my. I think that there's a sort of a, a biblical cadence. You I know, mean, what the language is that I think my books have as well, and they owe mm-hmm. a lot to their biblical rhythms, and you know. Uh, and also, I like to tell ordinary stories, but in the terms of the bit, as if they were biblical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As if this I, is biblical, I, you know what I mean? I, uh-huh. I mean, we were talking about funerals earlier on, and now everybody has a, a great time. I mean, in the New Testament, I can't even tell you who the gospel, you know, author was, but um, it says Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. And I've always taken for that line as it's always stuck my mind as if, you know, yeah, people have passed, uh-huh. but, you know, life is about living, mm. you know, let the dead bury uh, their own dead. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. They've and now gone, you know. And like, one so, of the dead, the dead, you know, when the dead die, they're, <coughs> the dead are their people now. Yeah. For a while when my, when my dad, when my dad died in, in 2013, I was, I was, uh, I was tormented by a series of really nightmarish visitations because I was so upset when I'm dying that he would return in, in my dreams. But you know, he's a sharp dresser, he wore beautiful suits and that. Yeah. But his suits would be all rotten and he'd be holding in his internal organs and his face would be half rotted <coughs> away. And he would keep coming back, keep coming back. And I realised what was happening. And I wonder if this is where zombies come from culturally. I realised it was the it was the power of love that was drawing him back. Because mm-hmm. because I wanted to make him back, he had to answer it. But he was saying to me, look at the state of me. Right. I'm one of the dead now. You need to let me go. And when I finally had that, I finally did a ritual that allowed me to leave my father to go, and he never returned as a zombie again. Because that's and that's what that's like. That's exactly what we're talking uh-huh. about in the Bible. What the dead bury the dead. My dad was one of the dead now. Yeah, was I had the, to realize the, that the river. Yeah, this was the river. Yeah. So I'll tell you the mad. This is a mad, mad thing that happened to me with my, my, my dad, and this is what ended these dreams as well. And it ties in again with Gordon Byrne and the prize and everyone we've been talking about. Right. So the first year I went to the Gordon Byrne prize, this is Memorial Day, was shortlisted. I didn't win. But I partied pretty damn hard afterwards in the <laughs> hotel. You know, it was the first time I'd ever been in an awards ceremony. I couldn't believe it. I was just, I was just, with me, it was amazing. We partied all night in my hotel room. And my dad, when he died, my dad was born with a call, a lucky cap that grows out of the top of the baby's head and it seals them in in a sort of little bubble. And when they're born, you need to break it, otherwise they would suffocate. But there became this folk idea that if you're born with a call, you can never drown because you've been survived the waters of life. And so sailors, Sailors would put advertisements in newspapers saying looking for a call if they were going out to sea. Right. So when my, my dad always carried his call around him everywhere, his lucky cap he called it. So when he died, I inherited his lucky cap and he put it in a wee, wee, a wee sort of like cloth pouch with the, 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 the initial D on it and gave it to me when I died. So when he died, so I'd always carry it in my wallet wherever I went, you know, I'd bring the lucky cap. So the night after, we're partying really hard at the Gordon Byrne Prize for this is memorial device. Next day I get up, look in my wallet, Dad's lucky cap's gone. Gone. It's totally, I was totally distraught. And I mean, for a second, I know it sounds mad, but for a second, I did think, did we do a Keith Richards and sniff my dad's lucky cap last night? <laughs> I thought maybe we'd snorted that we'd party that uh-huh. hard. So, I'm feeling pretty bad about that, you know what I mean? So I'm staggering at the hotel in the morning, I'm going to meet my editor in a pub, and I look down, and it's lying there. It must have fell out of my pocket when I took my key out the night before, and it survived the whole night, the wee wow. deep pouch. But something was wrong. Something was wrong. 
And I said, this thing wants to leave me. Uh -huh. This thing wants to leave me. It doesn't want to come back. It's time for me to let this go. And so I was staggering through Durham, I crossed over a wee bridge just next to Durham Cathedral on my way to meet my, my, my editor at the pub for some lunch. And a voice out of the air said to me, throw your dad in the river. And without even allowing myself to have a second thought or a doubt about it, I took the thing and I flew, threw it in the river. Yeah. And then I collapsed crying, thinking, what have I done? What have I done? It's one in 8,000 people born with a lucky cap. It's a complete mm -hmm. miraculous thing that I'd inherited from my dad. And then I had the moment of complete and utter revelation. He can never drown. I just threw him into a river and he can never drown. And that's when I realised my dad is alive in every waterway of the world now. Oh, and I realised wow, I traded man, a dead man. relic to find my dad out in the world. And that's when he never came back as a zombie. It was a moment of complete epiphany for me. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. <laughs> and that's why you're an author, David. That's it. So, so um, rituals? Rituals. That, that was a ritual that allowed me to let go of my father and find him out in the world rather than through a dead, a dead rail in it. <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, and I had to listen. I was mad, but I didn't doubt. I, I didn't allow myself to. I didn't allow the doubt in mind to get in. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this yeah, has I, to be done. done. I don't even know why. I'm not going to question. It. I did it, and then when I did it, I realised I could never drown. I never thought it out. But what I get, you didn't think I'm going to throw it in because no, I never yeah, occurred to me. I thought I've, 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 I've disposed of my dad's remains. What an absolute fucking idiot! Uh -huh. What am I thinking? Uh -huh. And then it came to me in a flash. Amazing, total gift. Wow, you know, absolute gift. I was. I mean. Um, I remember I was really close to my granny mother when I was wee and when she died, I was scared to go into the dark because I had this idea that I, I'd never encountered death at that young yep. age until then. So I was scared to go anywhere. And then my dad told me, and this, it makes me laugh and it settled me right down. I don't know why, and it still does, that when he was a kid, obviously I'd been an Irish Catholic thing, mm -hmm. and his uncle died. And living in a small house in town head, a room and kitchen. So they were obviously, they had the coffin and they had the dead body lying there. So they were stuck for room. So he had to go in and sleep in with a coffin. You know what I mean? Wow. There you go, kid. And he was only, he was only young. But you know that as a Buddhist sect and part mm -hmm. of their ritual is you, you lie, you'd lie down and sleep with a corpse uh, overnight. Uh, uh, you know, to come to, to terms with death. Uh -huh. Quite yeah, amazing, anyway. My said died. Uh, so there was always somebody in the room. There was always somebody waiting uh -huh. in the room with the, with the, the corpse. Always. Uh -huh. uh, even a few, a few like that. Uh -huh. I mean, seen, I'd seen both of them like, as well. Oh, I mean, they, they do that now. I'd only, ever, I'd only ever seen it like once. My, my granda. It, Used to call him my granddad Bungie, so he's done it all. But we, he stayed in a house in like Bells Hill, and when he died, he was on he was on the bed, right? And and the, the family, like always, my, my dad's brothers and all that, and uh, he's wanted one sister. But they were going to visit, and they were all in the room, and it was that time where I'd never seen a dead body before, yeah. and I was just sitting. But obviously, Donegal and the Irish, obviously there's a wake and all that, and you do all that kind of stuff, but they were all standing, they were all pray, praying. But I remember there was always somebody in the room, so I don't know if that's similar to what you're talking about, but that was, I was only a pup, I was only a young kid at the time. But I remember seeing this dead body, I'm like, what, the, what is this? They always cover the mirrors over, I think that's one thing, always as well, so the reflection's not seen in the mirror. Right. Right. I think, wow. I think we should be pains to say, but is that we we are expressing the, the joy of life. Yes, yeah. all right. No, we get that joy of life, right. and as you say, you know, life continues, and if nothing else, it continues in people's memories and people's musics yeah. and in people's writings, because obviously, as you said, your 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 books pay tribute to your 
your fathers and your brothers and family, and I've no doubt, you know, every author of, you know, people write music at some point are keeping, you know, that spirit alive. Yeah. That, and Neil, when, when my dad died, one of the things that I inherited from him was quite remarkable. Near the end of his life, he'd become quite interested in genealogy and tracing like the rest of his family and finding out what happened to them and what their involvement. So, I mean, he couldn't read the right, but he would phone over to Belfast and, and Dublin and stuff and they would post them over certificates and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And so when he died, there was this folder and he'd made a book. He'd made a book. I mean, this guy who couldn't read the right, he stapled it all together. It was always research that he'd found, so it was birth certificates, things and things like that. And then he stapled a front cover to it. And the title he'd given it was amazing. It's a literate man, and it was called Family is Forever by Thomas James Keenan. That was his book that he oh, made. Yeah. And so I referenced that, and for the good times, the superheroes are called that's the right. Forever Family. That's right. Ah, right, right, right. You know? It's direct way references. This book that I discovered that my literate father made, Family is Forever. That's amazing. Oh, absolutely you know? amazing. Yeah. Well, that must have been such a beautiful moment. Yeah. I still have it. And the other remarkable thing that he left me, and this is all pure magic. The other thing he left me, and this is mad that he would think to leave me, but he knew me so well that I would, he knew I would appeal with me. Before he died, the last time he went into hospital, they put him in one of those cardiac kings where you've got to like walk and they take your they take your 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 pulse and stuff like that. Yeah. He left me the entire printout. From that thing, in other words, a map of his heart. The last <laughs> map of his heart, he so left that in a folder a for unknown, me. Unknown pleasures. Yeah, that's, what it, what it's, that's what it looks like. And in fact, <laughs> what I actually wanted to do was I wanted to get a composer and I wanted to put bars over it, like staves, and then turn it into music and you could have played the music sounds, in my father's heart. Do you know great. what I mean? That sounds amazing. It's a project I still want to do, actually. That does sound really... Turn it into a musical score, you know what I mean? That does sound... That does sound something that... Oh, man, I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. loving this chat, first of all. Thank you so Just much for doing this. Oh, that, oh, that. I mean, the wee story. My, my granny was orphaned, right? And uh, she had two brothers, Pat and James. And they were the church at the time. They were for Calton, right? So uh, so my granny's my granny's ma, would have been my granny's ma, uh, sister, looked after her. Because I don't know what happened, to, obviously, to my great-granny would be then, right? But she had two brothers that she couldn't, didn't know. Could only contact them through the church, a PO box, right? And you knew that they were there, so you could maybe send them something, or but that was all a gift and stuff like that. So see, it came around one Christmas, she was uh, she sent James, they know where James was. Pat, she never got in touch with me, right? But James was apparently out in Motherwell somewhere, but she sent a, a bottom of mouth organ for his Christmas. What she done was she took the two screws at the side of it and put her name and address on it and screwed it back up, right, and sent it. So when James got the gift, the other side, he opens up, they blew on it, and he's like, it's not working, you know. He opened up the two screws, next thing, he was at the door. He'd, he'd found her. That's you know amazing! I, mean? I was sitting, wow. by That's amazing. we were sitting at a funeral, and my man, my grand, my, my man, my, my uncle Danny were sitting talking about, I remember, you know, this and that. Remember, I remember how he found James and that. And they were telling me, like, tell me that again. You know what I mean? Just like stories are like, like that. It's Even the fact they thought the harmonica, That's put it granny, inside the harmonica. My granny thought the is... harmonica to actually do that. To actually take the two <laughs> screws out. She says, what happens? A young boy gets a harmonica, right? Like, they blow in it, there's nothing happening. Mm -hmm. Just sat, you know, take it apart. And then he turned up at the door. And see, he was just that's amazing. My dad and all the rest of them want to go and see the cellar after that. Wow. wow. So well, see, one oh, thing wow. I view is even as a writer, and I write some pretty far out stuff, but fiction can't keep up with reality. 
Mm. Reality is weirder. Mm. Even if you think you've written the maddest, weirdest stuff, reality will outstrip it always. And I love that. I love that. You'll always be surprised. There's always yeah. magic. You know, you couldn't even dream up yourself, you know? And that's it. Everybody's, everybody's got stories and everybody's got stuff that's happening in their life. Yep. And when it gets to, well, obviously mental health and stuff like that. So my question would be, if, and it's to, to all of you actually, what is your go-to if you're struggling with something, as in mentally, you're really struggling with something, what's your first go-to? What do you do to relax, as in, what do you do to turn that negative emotion or situation, what would you do to turn that, how do you turn that, what's your first go-to? Go answer first, or, uh, recently there, I was, I was really very, very low, a right low ebb, uh, and... I kind of thought, see, I've, I've been there as if I was kind of going, I've been there, I'm looking, and I was sitting looking at a wall full of records, right, okay, and be being like maybe out eight to half four working as a plumber, you know what I mean, since I've left school, right, even a day off, I feel guilty as mm. if I should be out working, so put that in me, maybe a dose of the, you know, like the sort of hangover fear or something like that, sitting at a low ebb, and I'd broke my ribs and I was off work and I had financial troubles just last year. I'm sitting looking, I'm looking, I'm, I'm kind of like going, when's this going to end, you know what I mean? And to be honest, my, my whole sort of get-go or end flat is, is to get up and go, if I can, mm -hmm. is to get up and try and be productive. Yep. Try and get my arse into gear. And uh, unfortunately for me, that could be as in, it might be, I've got a job that I need to go to, right, come on. Or I'll need to go up and I'll need to tidy the house, something simple. I can't sit and squall, I need to open the curtains. Yeah. I need to make the bed, I need to do something. Mm -hmm. Because if I sit, that'll only make me feel even lower again, you know what I mean? Music, as I said, will no do it for me, you know? Is that right? It'll no do it for me at mm -hmm. all, no. I, if I'm low, I've got to just kind of go, I feel I've got to ride out or I've got to go out, but I found recently getting out and walking, uh, like, yeah, even finding the hills I was saying has been amazing. It's, you know, my mate Stephen Hill Danger, and, I'd always wanted to do like that, you know, mm -hmm. and then I went and I done a couple and I, I thought, right, that's fucking brilliant, you know, uh, just seeing, just, just great, that energy, uh, clearing the head and everything as well, and, mm -hmm. yep. you know, and, and going like, right, hold on, no, no, I, I don't need to get back to catch this or to see that programme or to do that, then, like, you know, I'm actually standing top of a hill looking at this view and I'm like, you know, a simple thing that yeah. can matter so much. And then recently my boys have got a dog as well. So obviously it's the usual with three boys. Oh, you take him out, you take him out. So I'm going to take him out, you know. Aye. Uh, and I'll get out with him just myself. We got last week, we went up Nico Bin, just out a walk. And I actually thought about taking music with me. And I thought, that's quite rude, taking a dog out mm. with you and wearing headphones. That's still fair That's still fair. I want to know how he is. If he's going to turn and go, I'm going to go, what is that? You know, I can't hear him say But my sort of way is, is like, just recently I felt that creeping in, especially like after Christmas and New Year there, where I thought, I'm no more alcohol. No one's all had a... A major problem with it, right? But I just felt as though a lot of things when we get done, I need to be focused. That was the I was setting the, the focus kind of, you know, out the way I needed needed specs for the focus, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So to me, I got up one day and I was sitting, obviously kind of weaning myself like going, right, I could do I could walk around, around the crow for a pint, mm -hmm. or and it's just the same again. Or I go ride this out, you know. 
And I thought, right, right, that's it, right. Hoover out, vax out, vax all the carpets. I go back to work in a couple of days, right? Instead of sitting going, all right, great, whatever. I just create it's no me. No. So it was like, up, oh, do something, make a pot of soup. Try and channel something into that, you know what I mean? That is my sort of I make, make the pot of soups kind of one of his <laughs> That's a classic. <laughs> Total classic. You know, he knows he's come up a good few times, there's a pot of soup. Always a pot of soup to go. Always like, kind of like, <laughs> oh, I'm making that soup in it, you know what I mean? Aye, right? that's so, good. But, yeah. Aye, that's the kind of, that. I'll channel myself aye. that way. Try and do that. But I'm very fortunate because I've got a son that works with me and I, in the back of my, myself, I've got to go, you know, I can't let him do. let him do loads of times yeah. where because of that, you know what I mean, with yep. the booze and stuff like that, but I, it's kind of, that's a fortunate thing, having a trade, I mean, I'd hate to think, right, if I've not got a trade, and I've not got music, you know, mm -hmm. to keep me busy, and I've not got a spook, would it be, and what's there's poor souls out there, you know what I mean, that I really, I feel so much for as well, and I don't, I'm no means that to say, so I'll take pity on them, but I do look out for these people as well, yep. you know, I'll look out for them, I can eat, I can tell, even all the way through school, if boys are getting picked on or something like that, always be like that, you know. I, I just look and go, you know, it's what's this all about, you know, like, you know. <laughs> so it's no, no, I don't mean taking pity, but I just mean, you, you know what I mean, like that kind of look out for the, the look out for no, the poor, so you say a poor soul, I don't mean because of no, they're no jumping about with the, the flashes of gear or anything mm -hmm. like that. Poor yeah. souls just in eyes and light, fucking poor soul, they're down yeah. in their luck and stuff yeah. like that, you know. Must be difficult if you're down there and you can't get up and make a pot of soup, you know what I mean. You get the energy and to that's do the it. thing. There's, there's a lot of people out there that they just they're just stuck. Aye, right. They're just uh -huh. stuck. Aye, and you could you could. I mean, they would you would need to blame them for being stuck, but you can't blame them. It's just they've got themselves in a dark place. Mm -hmm. And I think when I've talked about doing the podcast and all that, my podcast was just me talking about my mental health. That's how it kicked off, mm -hmm. and that was me just saying, right. I need to do this. I need to journal. I need to start journaling, mm -hmm. and journaling got me out a lot of Aye, stuff. That's really right. Good. Uh -huh. But alcohol is massive, man. Alcohol's like the biggest killer in Scotland. We know that, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, alongside suicide, right? But mm -hmm. it's like, uh, alcohol's such a, it just seems to be the go-to for most people. And it's, if you can, can control it, then it's good. But there's so many people there that just can't control it. And so this, uh, finding out about you and finding out about obviously yourselves, this is like me and that, man. There's so much to talk about. Mm -hmm. so much to show love and and the light for see, elsewhere see that's my just because you mentioned love i jumped in there um my sort of go-to is i've got two i would say one is if i have a right you know crappy day especially when in my former life which i had had to leave and I was very grateful that I managed to uh, leave with a, a retirement package mm. but um, it was I, you know where's where's my pal Red Wine you know where is my pal Vino I'd never have a big major no, problem no. but the trouble with that is you'll sit and you'll go oh that's lovely that's magic but the next day you know that's still there isn't it mm. it's still you know you've you know you've feel worse with the alcohol because it's a, a depressant but for me my go-to place is um i need i think I, I need love they'll know i need somebody to give me that sort of validation i'm very lucky and you mentioned earlier on about andrew weather on that great serenity he's got and that you know the paradise syndrome that uh um dave stewart for your admics was talking about i think i've got that obviously I, i've just discovered it and i'm you know humble working class guy but and my mother used to always say that i was an awful warrior 
And this is true. This is true, by the way. My mother gets sent home from the beat the beach and because she gets sent home to be with her family, you know, to pass away. So it was me, my sister and my dad basically living in, in uh, my parents' house and we were, you know, just helping her. So she had, you know, uh, carers would come in and she, everything was just, you know, morphine, morphine, morphine. She had two days, subsequently, I think it was, I think it was two days or something left in her, in her life. But, she actually said to me, lying in a bed in so much pain, she looked up at me one time, and I can't even remember because I, I had to leave the room. She says, Brian, you're just such an awful warrior, you know? Um, the Whenever the carers would come in or the nurses would come in to check on her, she would always say, how are you, Isabel? We'd witnessed, you know, 23 hours of awful pain and things. How are you, Isabel? And she'd go, I'm fine. Amazing. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. um, so I was, you know, giving her a bit of stick, but they just arrived at the door and I'm saying, Mum, Mum, you, you make sure you tell these nurses how bad you are, how bad you are. You're an awful warrior. She's so true. And I don't think I, 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 there's a lot of occasions where I think sometimes, uh, you know, I am that awful warrior. And I'm very lucky that I've got, you know, a great wife, I've been married, oh, I had to think about it, uh, yeah, <laughs> 2001, so it'll be 22 years this year, I've got two fantastic boys, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the eldest, Adam, I don't know if you know my youngest, Jack, so, and I've got a smashing me dog, but uh, I think sometimes I need, you know, go and, you know, but they're living their lives now, they're enjoying, and I think that again, plug man v fat, and I need to, you know, I love reading books, I love reading music, but when I think I'm really, really down, I'll need Paul or I'll need to, <coughs> to go mm -hmm. and play that five or sides. I just need, I'm not saying I need somebody to come up and actually cuddle me and put my arm with me. I just mm -hmm. need somebody to say, you know, are aye. you all right? Aye. How's things? You're looking aye. well and what you up to? Um, and I, I, I won't go, you know, that life's, life's crap. I'll just go, hi, fine, usual. Yeah. You know, if I bumped into somebody, he's probably the same that I hadn't seen in 30 years. And they say, how are you doing? What are you up to? Just the same. How are you? I Everything's fine. I just need that. But uh, talking about the partner, the company, yeah, I, just, I just need yeah, that. Warmth. That's what I need, you know. And it's and something like this is excellent. You, you know? I, so listening to yourself, but you, you seem to have, David, you seem to have built this blueprint of yourself, right? That you can go to this blueprint as in, so I can't imagine because uh, uh, through this conversation, I can't imagine you actually being down <laughs> because you, you've built a blueprint as in you've built these. I was thinking that these these mechanisms where you mm -hmm. are, which what is remarkable considering he's for Erdrick. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I rarely am. I don't really Aye. suffer from uh, from, and I might have done it earlier on in my life from depression yeah. and feeling down, but I never really suffer from that anymore at all. Mm -hmm. I feel completely fulfilled. Yeah, I feel like I've lived the life that I dreamt that it's that probably because you've not got a TV possible. this could be this maybe could be. I'll tell you another thing though maybe one I. of the big things with me is I don't identify myself with my thoughts I don't consider the thoughts in my head to be me right. and I consider them that they arise and they disappear and I don't need to take them seriously or even hold on to them so I don't mm -hmm. often act on my thoughts I just see them mm -hmm. and go oh there that goes and I let it go mm -hmm. so I meditate yeah. every day and my meditation is to sit 
and just to watch things arise yep. and to watch how they disappear again. Mm. And realise that every single, everything changes. There is yep. no stasis whatsoever. And actually, I'd go even for, further and i say what I think, the thing that I learned from writing was that I had no individual existence and there was no such thing as free will. And once you kind of realise that, you just kind of chill out. Right. And you just allow what, and you just dig what is as opposed to what should be. Mm -hmm. This is the big thing. And the only time the should be's are in your head. So look out at what is. And I can guarantee you, if you're ever feeling down and depressed, you're caught up in thought. Yep. Guaranteed you're, you're caught up definitely. in thought. Yep. Well, stop thinking that thought is caught up in you. That's not the you, the secret you that's mm -hmm. in there, the thoughts. Thoughts are good for things. Like they're yep. good for like, uh, remember what your address is? How do you drive a car? Did you pick up your keys? What's the passcode in your mobile mm -hmm. phone? It's dead useful for that, mm -hmm. but it's not useful in identifying it as you in any way whatsoever. That's just not useful, you know? And so journaling, you mentioned earlier on, yeah. I, no matter, I, I, writing's my greatest joy. I'm absolutely losing myself in it and I love it. But another thing that I think that writing taught me was there's a different brain. This brain of thoughts isn't the real you. You can think in a different way by externalizing your thoughts and writing them down. Because you will think about things differently by articulating them than by having them stuck in your brain as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you release them from the brain, you release that unis, that you feel that thoughts have, and you go yeah. beyond that, you know, and you step into what is, you know. I'm always think that's the most important thing. I always kind of, you know, knows that I think therefore I am that famous thing. I think yeah, that's yeah. absolutely nonsense. Mm -hmm. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't go for. I think mm -hmm. therefore I am. That's identifying <laughs> with thoughts. I twist that and I say it's kind of like Popeye. I is therefore I is. That's ah, what I say. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> See, I wonder if my trouble started when I don't know if you can remember. Do you remember the band Pele? I do, yes, actually. Right. Yeah, I do. Wow. From Liverpool. I can't something. remember. Pele. That's quite an obscure one, actually. I'm no, uh, Eusebio, well, I remember them. Right. So well, I, I used to really like them and they had a t shirt out that I bought and it was called and sorry, it was called. And on the back of it, it said, I think uh, I think too much and I drink too much, <laughs> you know? Yep. And, you know, so for so many years, I mean, I've got loads of tattoos and I often wondered, should I got that tattooed <laughs> on my back? <laughs> because, you know, you know, when I seen that, I bought, even then I knew, I think it was a 19 or something, even then I knew, I'm buying that t-shirt because that's me. I drink too much and I drink too much. And I, I think you're right. People sometimes think, too much and in the past i mean i thought you know a guy like david you think well he's really successful what's 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 he you know of course he's no depressed but i mean i recently read the book uh you know i devour football books and all you you know the rubbish football autobiographies that you can get through in 10 minutes they're normal the old juvenile junk and how many medals i won and you know all that crap mm -hmm. but i read the alan thompson one i'd actually got it, it was a present for my dad one. And he suffered really, really badly uh, from depression. Right. Uh -huh. uh, after he left Celtic as a as a coach, you aye, know. Aye, um, okay. has this guy's quite interesting. His uh -huh. backstory when he was young, but he couldn't move out his bed, covered up in a fetal position <sighs> every day. A lot of that was alcohol. It's probably his wife aye, and everything aye, else. Aye, and I thought but you there, suffered a good bit with that. Aye, but there was a guy you would think. Plenty of money, mm -hmm. good career, yeah, very successful. I mean, I'd say most, I'd actually probably go far to say, I know a lot of quite famous writers that you mm -hmm. think very, I'd say the majority of them are, are actually unhappy and depressed mm -hmm. and unfulfilled. And one of the, one of the big things that came up for me when, and I can speak as somebody who did, I re, my dreams came true. 
I say that I realise my dreams. Mm -hmm. My dream used to be a writer. Mm -hmm. My dream used to write the sort of book exactly the sort of books I wrote. Mm -hmm. And I have the success that went along and them is mind blowing to me. I dreamt that. So you, you get to a certain point where you realise that your wildest dreams coming true will mm -hmm. not make you happy. This yeah. is the mad thing. Right. You then realise that no objective experience no thing happening outside of you will make you happy happiness is a decision happiness is something you choose to be in the face sure. of difficulty it's not worth all difficulties have solved you can be yeah. happy because guess what all difficulties will never be solved and so the trouble having great success your dreams coming true you can be like i thought it would solve everything and it solves nothing yeah. in one way but if you have a gratitude aspect and i'm like you know, it doesn't get any better than this. What more could I have really asked for than what I have right now? Now my focus is on the small things. My focus is on meeting guys like you, yeah. hanging mm -hmm. out and having a brown mm -hmm. conversation, yeah. then going back home and cooking dinner with my wife yep. mm -hmm. and getting up in the morning and sitting by the window with a cup of tea for mm -hmm. an hour mm -hmm. or getting the fire going, just these wee beautiful things. Mm -hmm. They are now the big things in my life. I've I achieved the, the things I thought I had to achieve in terms of what I owed the universe. Now I can just get back to chilling, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, we had the classic, that classic 80s for me growing up, that uh, frame picture, I'm on some frame pictures there, the, the sad clown, I think. Yeah, of course, the classic. Right, yeah. the, you know, and uh, I can't remember who the comedian it, it was that said it, maybe Billy Connolly, but he talked about how, you know, basically all comedians are all suffer from depression, and he, I think he said something like the 10 most, if you get the 10 most depressed people you could possibly get around a table would be the 10 most successful comedians in the entire world. <laughs> and that's, you know, how they mm -hmm. get th through their yeah, life aye. is to get that off the, that high thing. Maybe that high, that's what they seek, mm -hmm. that gets them, you know, and then once, once they're off that stage, yep. it's like, I think looking at even like, I went mean, to see that Elvis Mr. film, the, the new Elvis film was great. great. And mm -hmm. my mama is massive Elvis fan, I mean, yep. but, you know, eh, that much we we could bore you with in that sense as well, but it was great. I I loved it. And it but, but the thing was, my mum always said for for that. Every he he just lived for entertaining people. And once that it was the on that stage, that was it. It was like Aye. you know that's that was all he wanted to do, and yep. you know what I mean. Mm. And then take that away with the goat, you know. So uh, that uh, that's that. You take it away. I suppose there's so many people in that, that sense of it. You know, I mean, you know, there's so many people that have got to that stage and then. I suppose then they, when they, they end their own life, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Because they've, they they feel useless to society or yeah. they feel useless to the world. But I don't know if it, if we're doing enough, like we were saying this, meditating, right? And actually being grateful mm -hmm. for the small things. Mm -hmm. And that gratitude list was a thing that I always go to myself when I'm talking to some, when I'm talking to people, talking to my kids even, when I'm talking to my kids, I'll, I'll say, look, it's just brave, man. <laughs> it's just brave. Yeah. Let's chill. What are you grateful for? And also the notion of service comes into that as well, especially as you get older, mm. you realise you want to be of service to the world. Mm. And that's what I mean by gratitude. You want to give something back for all the beautiful opportunities and moments and things that you were gifted in your life. No matter what your situation is, yeah. everyone has experienced magic. Everyone has seen part of what the miraculous thing of being alive has glimpsed at. Yeah. And just to have that service is giving something back. And that's what I mean by in terms of what I've done is tried to create, try to foster a sense of community. Among and, and join the dots between music and literature and, and and people who are fans of it and things yeah. like that and to create a little sort of service. Uh, service has uh, become a big thing for me as uh, I get older, yeah. definitely. And it's tied yeah. up in being thankful. Yeah, I mean, that's so. Yeah. Didn't it? I mean, great, that's, that's, that, that, that's the themes I always remember for, from 
of you know I, when I was young, I went to a, a, a Catholic school, and what I carry still for that is those themes of, uh, you know that humility was always amazing, sacrifice, but sacrifice from you know I mm. think your t- your your themes are David about being you know humble, yep. you know being grateful. I don't know about humble. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not so sure about humble, humble when it comes but, to me in no, a way. But I think you are. I think, you know, I think yeah. you are. You're demonstrating real humility. Yeah. I think you actually demonstrate real humility by just, you know, coming in, sitting by, you know, sitting with us and just talking to us. I mean, um, I could be real fanboy with yourself as, mm-hmm. uh, as my favourite book, but, you know, um, I feel really comfortable in your in your presence because of your humility. You right. know what I mean? I would, I would say that definitely. Um, what, what I'm most interested in is, is <clears throat> conversation, mm-hmm. energy, exchange yes. ideas. What does it mean to be alive? What have we all experienced? Yep. Can we have an honest conversation about it? We know how tough it is, but can we can we can we take triumph out of disaster and still find a way of saying yes together? Mm-hmm. This is what I live for, and all the other reason that, that, that this is what inspires you as a writer. Meeting other people and not just uh, in, in the content of what they say, but the rhythm, the feel, the way of being. This all feeds back into me as an artist and a writer. One of the things I always say as a writer that you need to do is uh, always take public transport. Because you'll hear the best part ever. You know, the yeah, most amazing yeah, stories, yeah, the maddest rhythms, the way people true, talk. Always take what public true. transport, total source of inspiration every day of your life. Yeah, I get the bus. No, no what I love, you can criticize mobile phones. A lot of people criticize mobile phones. I love people on the back of a bus, <laughs> up the stair, talking into their mobile phone, talking as loud <laughs> as they possibly can. And and the the things that they, they reveal, they must think they're just in an isolated, empty place. And the things that you hear, sometimes, you know what I mean? I, Sometimes you're listening uh, conversations and you're straining. like, are they actually making this up? Because uh-huh. because there's somebody listening <laughs> in. Like, Do you know what? Let's, I'm going to go David Keenan on you ass. It's like, uh-huh. it's like, they just make up these random stories like, what? Did they just tell him? I don't know. Right, <laughs> wow. Oh, totally. Uh, look, Jill, let's, let's, I've done, I've done two hours, man. It's just almost two hours. Is I it? can't actually believe. Wow. That just went, uh, actually about just under two hours. Uh, and I, I need to end this one. First of all, thank you so much. Right. I mean, and I think this is going to be a, a friendship, by the way. I think I'm going to be pals with you, man. <laughs> it's like, if you're all right with that. It's <laughs> <Of> like, <course. laughs> uh, it's like, man, I just, I, I want to learn more about you. And I think that's what obviously people who are going to watch this today, as they will go looking uh, for Sonic Treasure. <laughs> uh, the, thing, the thing is, Paul, but you're like me. I want to become a friend because I want to go to South of France. <laughs> <laughs> Experience paradise, is that you want to do? Exactly. Yeah. Experience paradise, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> and I need to lose... Loads of weight, a man V fat, so I can, <laughs> I can fit in a suitcase. Because I, I, I don't you think there'll be plenty of hot you know the weekend. I mean, exactly. Because <laughs> I need to fit in a suitcase out for France. But, uh, no. but I need, also, I need to say as well, to, I need to say thank you to a girl called Helen Cunningham, who's one of the people who was part of Green Sunrise, and she had uh, she donated some money for uh, this, obviously, podcast and all that as well. So there's but there's so many people that would, so I run a football card so that I can pay for the studio cost, right? And there's so many people and I just want to thank every single one of them for playing the football card on the Green Sunrise podcast group which is on Facebook but thank you for Helen as well a special mention for Helen Cunningham uh, but that's that's all I want to say thank you for just now but thank you Joe thanks for, for having for, us okay it's been uh, very interesting 
Thank you so much, mate. It's just nice and comfortable and that as well. Yeah, it's good, just, just having a, a catch up and a blather, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know. Thank you, Brian. Thanks. Sorry, I, um, I did promise you I would bring it down, uh, but hopefully, no, hopefully these two guys have carried us. <laughs> no, you were brilliant. brilliant. No, no, no. I always fear, I always have a fear that I don't know if I've gone to say the right things or I've got enough to say and, and all that. And I'm like, oh no, do you know what? And then, then you kind of said, well, what's the point in this? <laughs> you kind of made a comment the other day and I was like, oh no, maybe Brian's the right, the right guy to bring on. But no, thank you, mate. You're absolutely amazing. Absolutely no, amazing. Right. It was really Every your knowledge. And I, thank oh, you, I say Paul. that, but I say that about everything. I'm an awful warrior. Uh, <laughs> And also thank you to Paul again, uh, Big Paul for the, Thanks, the Paul. for the studio. Who's got great vinyl? We'll sort <laughs> great of vinyl, and vinyl. vinyl. Sitting there plugs in. <laughs> Thanks to that as well. But thank you so much for watching Green Sunrise Podcast. This episode with Brian Mitchell, uh, brother Joseph. Uh, we all have to do the cheer. We'll do the cheer in a minute. Uh, and a Scottish author uh, David Keenan. Thank you so much, guys. Thank nice you. Nice thank you. All right. okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.